Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Para and Rideshare Rodeo doing a little bit on the driver's rights movement that we've talked about with you guys, uh, but we have not really jumped in um, to to highlight some of what's going on, and even now after the elections, the importance of this and what is going on. Um, I want to introduce uh, the panel that we have tonight. I have uh, Nick here. Nick is a tax practitioner and also running for mayor of where? Ferguson, Missouri. Ferguson, Missouri. So uh, maybe a little background on that. We'll get to that. Uh, we have Michelle Sleet, who we always love having. Um, uh, Michelle runs two of the largest DoorDash uh, Facebook groups and deals with a lot of what we all deal with when we get into this stuff about hearing just about everything from everybody. Um, and of course, we have David. Uh, CEO of Para, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the driver's rights plan uh, this week, and then the following two weeks. So, really want to get make sure everybody's checking out the website, getting over there, signing up. Maybe you already signed up. Get over there again, just kind of refamiliarize yourself. Um, and I think that probably the best place to start is the four basic principles. So. David, your mic is muted. Okay, you unmuted it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just wanted, just wanted to make sure. But uh, yeah, so I think David walks pretty. He walks us through this pretty well. So let's let's start here. Uh, yeah. So thanks for having me, Steve. As always, uh, you know, we believe, I guess, in four very basic principles to create a better gig economy that put drivers back in the driver's seat. Uh, so I'm in charge of my work. I have a say in the system. My time is valuable. I own my data. And I know sort of this is, uh, you know, we believe that, you know, all of these things should hold true. And this is really what it means to be an independent contractor, that these are your rights as an independent contractor, and that we believe the platform should honor their obligations to these rights. So I know we've been talking a lot about these four points, and we sort of had this petition that went out with a bunch of people who signed it and not too much has happened over the last month or two. I just want to give people just a quick update about what's been in the works. Uh, we haven't just been sitting on our hands and doing nothing. So a couple things have happened. One, I've been working with a lawyer at a law firm to actually get a, sort of like a legal opinion on what it means to be an independent contractor and how your data and your rights should pertain to that. So like an actual proper, you know, law firm sign off on it with his opinion on that. And this is somebody who's done work both for and against uh, the gig platforms previously. So an expert in the space. Uh, using that, I've also started to write, you know, the beginning of sort of a manifesto and sort of where that starts off with is sort of like the promise of gig work is broken. Here's what we need to do to make it better. And sort of uh, I'm expecting to receive a draft from this lawyer this week. We'll sort of, you know, first take a look at what he says. And from there, the next step really are is I want to make a public doc where everyone can come and drop their thoughts and give us feedback. And basically collectively we can write uh, what we think makes sense or what's needed for, you know, gig economy 2.0 essentially. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a great start. Um, I haven't checked recently on the tally of the signatures. I don't know 
if if it if it stalled out a bit or whatnot but if so we got to get that thing kickstarted again because that thing was moving and growing we need to get more drivers signed on to this and uh i think that uh i guess let's let's uh go over to nick and nick i mean david just described the four basic principles um how do you how do you see what what we need next as gig workers well, I, I've been self-employed for almost my entire life. Um, I was a freelance IT consultant for several decades. And back then, there was never a question of me owning my business and controlling my data because it was mine. And what we've gotten into with these gig companies is people are nominally independent contractors, but they really don't have any control. And part of that is because of the structure of the system. And part of it is just that people don't know what they're doing. They sign up for DoorDash, the acceptance rate comes up in red, and they think, ooh, I'm in trouble. And they start running orders for $275 a piece. So, you know, there's education components, and there's also structural components and i think we need to deal with both of them so if if as a start and as a big start um i guess i'll ask you first michelle is uh yeah. if if full transparency were shown like we're starting to see upfront pricing for lyft uber yes. um if full transparency were presented on every order being an independent, being a traditional independent contractor myself before these gig economy apps um, and really working for myself, understanding the IC status, I'm happy with that. Like I would be very, would, would, would you be happy with seeing everything up front and would you feel like you had anybody to blame if you didn't like the offers? Oh, right. Uh, I'm 100% for seeing everything up front. Uh, I think that we have a right to know before we drive 10, 15 miles into a no man's land of what that job is going to pay us. And I wholeheartedly, in fact, it's one of my standard lines back to many of our members uh, when they can't make any money and they're taking two, 225 orders and 250 orders. And I say, know your self-worth. Uh, then, and maybe this isn't for you. If this is your market, this isn't for you. And I, but, and I think DoorDash has, if we're just talking DoorDash. Now, as we know, Uber Eats hides tips as well. And in fact, they hide them much better. Uh, and, you know, I asked, um, you know, just, I asked a lot of people, uh, they don't, they don't take Uber Eats because they're just too far. So, I think that their their off their uh, food doesn't even get picked up uh, because people just aren't going to drive nineteen or twenty on a, on a blind item, not mm -hmm. knowing what they're going to make, but just getting staying on task and getting back to it. I know for a fact, other than me and other people who I have patience, and I'm out there to make money, and I'm out there for my for my hours, which is probably about eight hours a day. But a lot of folks, they only have an hour or two. So they just take whatever they can get. Right. They just, they just take it and, and they take it and it's almost like gambling. I'm going to take it because I may not get another order. Uh, it's, 
and they don't, they're not valuing their self-worth. And tonight when I knew I was only going to be out for two hours, I waited and waited and waited by one of our best steakhouses in town. And lo and behold, I got a $53 order. So uh, that, that made my night, but I threw, I th yesterday I threw away 80 orders to get one. And, uh, and I was telling you earlier today, uh, there's a, been a tide changing in our groups, uh, people patting themselves on the back for acceptance rate and people sending yes. in and being proud of 95 to a hundred percent acceptance rates. And I will say to them, I'll be the first one to write cause I've approved their post. And I'll say, what, why are you taking everything? And then they'll come back and be defensive and say, well, I'm choosy. Uh, no, you're not being choosy if you're taking 100%. How can you be choosy? You're taking everything. But see, yeah. this, gets, this gets back to the education aspect because exactly. these people are losing money every time they get in their car. Yes, they are. And if I want to do charity work, it's not going to be for DoorDash. Right. Right. Nick is one. Of, Nick and I, uh, Nick had already started when I started. We became fast pals. And uh, he was my no tip, no trip guru. <laughs> Seems to be a lot of those out there. there yes. You know, and, and for good reason. I mean, you know, I, I, I got to say, guys, I. I can see that, you know, not to get too far off subject here, but I can see both sides of the tipping aspect because coming from the service industry myself, working in bars and restaurants my whole last 30 years, I can tell you that the tip comes after the service. However, this is a different setup. And the tip comes before in this case. And because it comes before for most people, it somewhat becomes the new tip that's expected for gig platforms is to do it up front. Well, let's be honest, Steve. The tip usually doesn't come after the service. No, yeah. I meant in the traditional. You're right. I, in a restaurant, it yes. does. If you're doing DoorDash and that order doesn't have a tip on it, yeah, you're not, you're getting, not one. getting one. Yeah. So the people and on who, uber you could and i know that some people say this doesn't happen as much but tip baiting does happen yes um people are able to put in a tip and i think it's i think it's actually ridiculous that i used to think this when i did rideshare all the time too is that i thought it was ridiculous that i thought it was nice you had 48 hours after the trip to add a tip but i thought it was ridiculous that you could remove a tip for just by checking a checkbox that you just didn't want a tip so you want to take it out, yeah. you know, I mean, after the fact, it's, it's not okay. Well, we see, well, you're effectively working for the tip, right? I mean, we see in our own data that, you know, 60 to 65% of a dasher's income, and this is average across a large number of dashers is tip, right? So the reality is most of your pay is the tip and you're working for the tip. Uh, right. I think a lot of people don't realize that on sort of both sides, but I, I sort of, like sort of the question you said, which is like, hey, let's say that you get full transparency and what's great is like you are starting to see a movement towards there. Uh, is that really enough? And I like what Nick said earlier is I was sort of, I had transparency around things, but I always knew I was in charge of my work. And I think that's really uh, one thing here that we're really trying to highlight is the idea that as these platforms and your work opportunities have become more technologically advanced, what's important is to be able to have technology that works sort of on behalf of the individual driver uh, for yourself, 
right? So I think, you know, having full transparency on the tip is great, but really what it means to be an independent contractor, not just having full transparency in it, is really having competition for your time, right? So the idea that, you know, my time is valuable. And just in the way that the apps are designed right now, there's just so much friction purposely to make it so that you really can't have that competition for your time. And I think that's why we have these principles together, right? Is the idea that, uh, you know, you should be able to have that true competition for your time. And the way to do that is, you know, to be able to say, hey, I want all my data in one feed. I want to get all my options in one place. I may be a little crazy, but I think it even goes beyond that, right? It's the idea that you, your work history is yours. It should belong to you. You should be in charge of your work profile, right? Uh, it shouldn't be hard. I would love Nick's thoughts on this, right? For you to file taxes or get all the information you need to calculate what you made in a year across the different platforms there. And I think that's really where I'm trying to push towards is like, if you're an IC, you own your profile, you own your work history. It should be easy for you to access that and you're in charge not sort of the way it is the opposite way right now. Well, I, and I, I don't want to hijack the whole show with uh, talking about taxes, which I totally could. But um, a, a lot of the problem with taxes is, the, is that people don't know what they're doing and it costs them a lot of money. Um, and, I, and I think these gig companies have some level of responsibility you know, I, when I signed up for DoorDash, I was already a tax practitioner and it was the off season and I was sitting on my front porch and I was bored and I was like, oh, well, I got nothing to do this evening. Let's load up DoorDash and see what happens. And 15 minutes later, I was in my car going to pick up somebody's food. Now, I'm a tax practitioner and I, you know, I do continuing education and, 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 and all sorts of things. So I know what to do with this. Your average Joe that was sitting on his front porch drinking a beer and loaded an app on a lark doesn't have a clue. And he's going to get to the end of the year. He's going to get his 1099. He's not going to have the appropriate business records that the IRS wants, and it's going to cost him a ton of money. Um, and honestly, there, you know, DoorDash makes you go through all these little videos before you can start driving. They ought to make you sit through a 10 minute video on what you need to do with your taxes, or you're going to be in big trouble next April or whenever the IRS figures out what's going on. And they don't because you're independent and they don't care. Well, I, I can I, I would interject this and I'm not this isn't coming to the defense. I'm just playing devil's advocate here that traditional ICs don't get that handheld walkthrough and everything they do too to about their taxes. But what I will say, being an Uber driver, I have had some very serious um, discussions with people around the country, one specifically here in Denver, um, who who had some challenges he was on the spectrum and this was during the pandemic and he was doing rideshare to help um his mom and him pay the rent and when taxes came around in january is it the form k and then the other form he got confused because he saw uber showing two different earnings amounts and so he's kind of thinking like wait what and he claimed the wrong one. 
Now, in claiming the wrong one, he lost all of his PUA and then times like another 100%. He basically had to pay back all the PUA plus another 100% of that for screwing up these taxes and putting the wrong number in. And my thing becomes, I think there could be tax reform that makes taxes much more easier to understand for everybody. But I don't understand why something like Uber does this. I, I don't understand. I mean, I do because they're trying to say you're the independent contractor. These, But if I'm the independent contractor, wouldn't I be able to look up every one of my clients? Wouldn't I be able to look into every single record? And I don't have that ability when they send me these double sets of records. And I think you're spot on there, Steve, right? Which is exactly his idea. Is like a lot of the time the platform is very convenient. And you say, hey, we can't tell you how to do your taxes because you're an IC we can't tell you what the policy is for you being dispatched trips because you're an IC. But when it comes to other things like what benefits the driver as an IC, we're going to, you know, not wipe our hands of that. Or we're not going to honor our obligations. Right. So it's sort of this, you know, yeah. Duality well, I mean, when you, you're an IC, but yeah. when you're driving for Uber, you are an IC, but your your client isn't the person in your car. Your client is Uber. So well, you, you have your Uber you likes it to be client. that it's not yeah. Uber, that it's the person or, or, in your car. Or Uber in Uber's perspective, technically you're Uber's client, right? Is actually how they view it. I mean, you, you know. who that person is. That's that's Uber's customer, and Uber, you're an individual. You're not getting a 1099 from that guy that's in your car. You're getting a 10 You're getting two 1099s from Uber. And by the way, there's a reason for that. Uber is doing both payment processing and providing bonuses. The bonuses are on a 1099 NEC because those are monies coming directly from Uber. The 1099K is the same thing you get if somebody's sending you money through Cash App. If you right. get over 600 bucks in cash app this year, you're going to get a 1099K. And the deal with that is it may or may not be income. And you have to explain to the IRS what that money is. See, and that's that's where I think one of the big problems comes in because, okay, if I were, if, if Knockwood, I were to get audited, right, for my ride share. And they come in and they're like, okay, who were all your passengers? I'd be like, I don't know. They're all under Uber's documents. Well, you have both sets of the numbers. Yeah, but I don't have any breakdown. I just have the two numbers. But weren't they your clients? Yes, indirectly. <laughs> well, the answer is no. <laughs> And, well, and, me... and and you don't have to tell them who your clients are, but you do have to tell them where you drove and how many miles. And there's apps that will track that for the people that figured that out before they started driving. But I know lots of people who get to the end of the year and they're like, where can I download my miles from DoorDash? Well, right. you basically can't. So good luck with that. Right. And uh, something interesting is that I try to add content to my smaller page on a regular basis. And so I believe it was around April, uh, September 15th. I said, uh, don't forget to pay your employment taxes uh, today. And the floodgates were open and they were defensive and they were negative and said, I don't have to pay taxes. My accountant told me I didn't have to pay taxes. What are you talking about? Taxes? I mean, not one person would fess up that they were going to pay taxes. 
Well, and what happens, aren't you, aren't, you have to pay an employment tax, right, Nick? And if you right, don't pay right. your tax, you have to pay a penalty that you didn't True. And, and the only exception I would say is if somebody has a W-2 job and they've got enough withholding that they would normally get a refund and they're very limited in what they're doing in a gig job and it's just eating away at their refund but hasn't gotten them more than $1,000 into the red, then technically, no, they don't have to pay estimated taxes. But anybody who's doing this day in and day out, if they're not paying estimated taxes, then they're going to pay a penalty. And the reality is they're not going to have the money and they're going to get into trouble. Yeah. And that's that's what happens because uh, most people, unfortunately, they lose a tire and they're out of the game. We get that post every day too. Sure. While, while we try to inform them to have emergency funds and to take so much out of every paycheck and put it in an emergency fund account. How many you think actually do that? But you know, I, I gotta say, and I, and it, I'm not excusing it, but it's a lot easier said than done for a lot of us. That fund is a very hard. I know a lot of gig workers and that fund is very hard to get started. Um, but now, does that mean that it, that should be shining a light on something bigger here? Like, Hey, if that's a problem for you, then maybe reevaluate something or build a little something more before you jump yeah. in fully, probably. Yeah. But at the same time, these are people multi-apping, just trying to get off the ground saying, I know I can get this. They start seeing their amounts growing. But then, like you said, yeah, something goes wrong. $800 car fix or something. They got, they've just saved up 600 thinking they're putting it away. All of a sudden, they don't even have enough to fix the car. You know, and now it's... I mean, it, it just it, it just seems like it's very it's very difficult to put away money in the gig economy. It's difficult to put away money in general right now, but it's very difficult to put away money in the gig economy. And um, I'm all for portable right? benefits, uh, things of those natures, too. Like, I think that stuff needs to start growing a lot. But it's even well, harder for people to know like, what they're earning, right? People don't really know. Like, if I finish driving on that day and I'm driving three or four apps, I don't really know what I made until I go and add those up. And yet again, I also don't have net earnings, right? Uh, so I think it's just one of those where, you know, you know, you can say, hey, you should do the math. I can do the math. You should track those things. But I'll admit that, like, I'm not the most organized person sometimes, right? And I think a lot of people fall into that bucket there. And I think, you know, that's part of what we started working on, Steve, right, is the idea that. But you know, what happens, Nick, if you don't take out your own FICA and all that? Well, I mean, you, right. You, then, then you, then you get to April and look, I know people that are gig workers that just don't file their tax return. And guess what? You're racking up big penalties and the IRS is eventually going to catch up with you and you're, you're going to have a problem now. Uh, and the Nick, problem, are, are you referring to gig workers, obviously who have another W2 and are or doing part well, time. If you've got another W two, then what they're going to do is they're going to seize your refund. Right. If yeah. you're just a straight up gig worker, well, I know people who are just full time gig workers and just like, well, I'm just not going to file taxes and we'll see what happens. Well, it's fairly predictable what's going to happen, and it takes it takes the IRS a few years to catch up with you, but they will. And the, but it starts with the mentality that. 
you know, somebody goes out in the morning and loads up Instacart or, or Uber or whatever they're doing, and they get to the end of the day and it says $200 on the screen and they think, ooh, I made $200 today. Isn't that great? Well, you really didn't. You drove 100 miles and that's $50. So you're down to 150. And then you've got to pay 30% in self-employment and income tax on that 150, which gets you down to, you know, 105. And then you've got car repairs and so on and so forth. So, you know, really, maybe you made $50 today. So what is the advice then, either Michelle or Nick, to the gig worker who really is going to give this their go? We've seen a lot of people be successful at it. We've seen a lot of people fall by the wayside. What what would the suggestion be to get started? Um, would it be to hold on to a part-time W-2 while you build a little bit of safety net? Then see if you want to cross over to full-time? Or what? what would your best advice be to... To somebody who's pretty, you feel pretty good about them stepping into the gig world. They've got a a plan that makes sense to you. They're going to multi-app. They've got this down. They've tried it a couple of times, but now they're ready. Well, uh, I, and I try to give this advice to everybody who I stand next to. Uh, when I say, hey, when I got their brand new shiny red DoorDash bag that they brought into a salad place. And I'll say, hey, you know, I, I know that they're out for their first time and I'll, you know, I'll try to give them the whole thing about, um, you know, hey, so is this all you're doing? Well, yes, I'm between jobs and I thought I would try it. And uh, and I, I try to I do try to give them the best advice and and uh, tell them, you know, again, what David's principles are, know your self-worth, value your time. Uh, try to do if you can't if you can't do three or four in in one hour unless of course like tonight when I got my big guy of fifty three dollars that's great and I do I I love the DoorDash large order program so I can I can be involved in that and uh, and don't try to be that top dasher and uh, fall into the DoorDash shenanigans and manipulations of taking everything because. Uh, that 250, the minute you step in your car, is no longer 250. Uh, and with gas, it almost well now it's we were saying five dollars a gallon at Ford. Okay, and that's that's another basic rule. Uh, and they'll say, okay, you don't want me to taking a no tip order. How can I tell that there's a tip on my order? Well, it's in my market, it's six nothing under 625 or less because the base pays 225. $4 added to that. And why would you, if someone doesn't want to give you $4, the price of a gasoline, don't, don't take the order. It's not even worth it. And watch those miles. The miles are everything. And not all miles are created equal. Uh, if I take my, my three miles back into no man's land into a subdivision, that's horrible because then I'm taking three, man, three miles back out of that subdivision. But if I take a quick three-mile trip right down a highway, stay right by the restaurant. So know your market. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And, and I would say, and what I would add to that is keep good records. Use an app to track your mileage. 
uh, write down, you know, write down in, in a notebook, this is the date that I went out and I drove this many miles, you know, have some sort of backup to that app. Um, and, and just keep very detailed records of what you're doing. I've got a guy who uh, is an independent contractor who works as a salesman. And the IRS, he, he kept records. The IRS disallowed all of his travel expenses. And at the moment, we're fighting about a tax bill of $10,000. And uh, the IRS is not accommodating when you disagree with them. So you don't <laughs> want to go there. Keep the records up front so that if the IRS comes calling, you've got what they need. Yeah, absolutely. You know, guys, we have a lot more to discuss on this uh, driver's right movements. Um, I I hope that because uh, we'll be doing another one next week and I hope that both of you will be joining us. I don't know if you will. So here I am just throwing it out there. But hopefully both of you will be joining David and I again because I would love to continue this conversation. I think this is a good force. Yeah. To, I wish to this would have gone on. This. I wish this would have gone on longer. So we'll make the last. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, what I was just thinking too. There's so much to talk about. And luckily we have two more of these that we'll be doing. So join us next week and hopefully we can bring these same people back because uh, I think that, um, again, there's a lot to cover. Even in the four basic principles, I'm looking through some of the bullet points and you know the manifesto that I think is awesome because that's what David and I were going to call it in the beginning when we were building this thing. Like, hey, we need to write a manifesto you know i don't know why that word kept sticking in our heads but it seemed like that was what was needed um but it, it really has been a pleasure and i really want to get these guys back as a whole um and hopefully maybe all three parts we could just conclude as this group we can see we can ask these guys but but until then make sure you guys check out uh driverrights.org and any links to any of our guests tonight will be in the show notes. So um, if you want to look up Nick for his tax um, for his tax purposes, or you want to look up what he's doing for mayor, we'll put all that in the links. Uh, we'll obviously put Michelle's two Facebook groups in the yes. links, as well as the para link that you would obviously have, but maybe some of the other socials as well as the website will all be in the show notes. So you can find them all in there. And uh, we will see you back here next week to really get into this a lot more, actually, because there's a lot more to this. But until then, if you could please go to driverrights.org. Again, it's not driver's rights. It's driver singular rights.org. And uh, check it out. I'm not even going to tell you what to do, but just go check it out. See if you agree. See if you like transparency. Sign your name to it. Um, share it. Share it on everything. Share it on Reddit. If you're on Reddit, share it on Reddit, please. Um, see how long it can stay up before somebody rips it down. Um. <laughs> Driver rights is allowed on Reddit. Just uh, para, para is bad. Yeah, don't don't add the word para next to it because they might <laughs> rip it down just for that reason alone. Um, crazy people. But anyway, we will see you back here next week. Um, I really enjoyed this, and I hope that we can continue with the same group. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And, Thanks, Steve. Uh, Hopefully we'll be back here next week. Okay, guys. Welcome back to the second part of a three-part series on the driver's right movement. Um, we, I think, by the, I, I, I wanted to, I want to thank all you guys for being here again. And before I introduce you, I wanted to say that I had a couple people tell me that actually 
I know we were a little rushed that week, but they felt like that it was a good piece. Like it was a whistle wetter. Like they were like, okay, I want to know more. And it ended. So I think it was like that perfect length piece because it really got them um, just wanting to go, okay, these guys are going to go on about all this. And then we cut it. So it was like a, almost like a Tarantino movie, if you can do that relationship or something. <laughs> yeah, that's a, um, but so I'm looking forward to this, to actually going through some of this tonight a little more and uh, not having anything after this so that we can make sure we get through it properly. Uh, I want to welcome uh, Nick Kassoff. Um, tax practitioner and soon to be mayor of Ferguson, Missouri. That's where we're working um, on. That's right. Well, I mean, that's how we have to say it. You know, yes, we sir. support you. We got to say it that way so that it happens. Yes. You know, you, what is it? The, I don't, I actually disbelieve everything about this movie, but the secret or whatever it was, you know, just think it and it'll happen. <laughs> you know, I want a car. Okay. And then there'll be a car in the driveway tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff that'd be a neat trick yeah um i want to welcome michelle sleet michelle is uh runs two of the facebook groups and is a gig worker in the st louis market and uh we've done a few projects now together or round tables and stuff so michelle how are you yes uh all all is well we're in the good time of the year i love this time of year people are feeling generous uh, yeah, orders are up and um, people are tips are tips are good. And so I'm on Spark. And while I haven't done any yet, I saw the incentives and I'm incentivized to get out there and do it because I'll make $265 after I complete 20, 20 trips. And they're plentiful in my market. So I'm I was going to say, I see I see a lot. I, I, you probably know Brian Gigwise. Yes. Um, I see him streaming almost as much as Mr. Flex. He streams all the time and he only does Spark, I believe now. Um, he used to do DoorDash and stuff, but he only, I, I think, I feel like a lot of people do. I know people do Spark everywhere. People are all over Spark, but I feel well, like people in, in your market do a lot of Spark. Well, the reason why I like it and David will appreciate this. If David doesn't know, he probably does that. You get to see everything. You get to see the, the payout, the tip. Uh, and you know me, I like to know where I'm going. I get to see the address, the first and last name, and mm -hmm. and the items, everything that we're taking. Yeah. So I've been I getting like... the $200 bonuses they've been sending for me for the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. You know, I got to tell you guys this. Uh, I, I think I said it before about loving Curry, but uh, I got to mention it, that Curry's been that way since I started working for him. <laughs> they yeah. show you everything, everything. Do you, do you need a truck to work for Curry? Um, you don't need a truck, a pickup, an SUV or like a van helps because, uh, just because of looks like they don't want you arriving on, on site or they'd rather arrive on site with those, but there's a 80% of what I do is Sherman Williams paint oh. transportation. And, um, most of it could fit into an average mid-sized car. And he's banking the big bucks, Nick. Like and 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 so yes, I do know many people that I've helped onboard too, and even skipping in front of the line a bit in their market because there is some waiting lists in some markets, but um, with just cars, and they're working. Because Curry, unlike Roadie, Roadie tries and some others try freight tries, but um, Curry will not send orders to you that will not fit in your car. You won't get to locations and it doesn't fit. Hmm. So like yeah, roadie, Nick, you know, like Nick, you have a van, don't you? 
I've got a van and I, and roadie, I mean, I've only done a handful of roadies, but they um, don't pay that good, and they're just they don't pay that a good. System. And 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 the thing about roadie is they're really picky. Like there's airport luggage was big with roadie for a while, yeah. But you had to have so many roadie gigs that you had completed on other things. So you had to take a certain number of, you know, they were doing, uh, what was it, Home Depot and uh, pet food from one of the farm supplies. And yeah, you had to have so many of those under your belt before they'd let you get luggage from the airport. So I don't know. I want to tell you guys about something. So speaking of luggage, um, Hannibal is hungry. I'm going to give him a, a plug here because... Hannibal is hungry and I do once a month we do a show called Beyond the Algorithm. We look for a gig, something that people aren't doing, curry, dumpling. We go to websites that don't have apps and we talk about how to work for medical couriers and things like this, just odd jobs, dog walking like is a big part of his stuff. But we did one on we did one on luggage and holiday work. And I gotta tell you that um we made a video and we looked up some stuff about how you can uh, do the luggage thing on your own, making about 80 bucks an hour just by going up to the airport because they don't have enough people to do it. So your roadie subcontracting out to you, you can skip that step and just go do it yourself through a couple websites. Hmm. Well, that's and, and make three times as much as you make doing it on roadie. Well, the roadie pay stinks, and also I think our airport might have just dumped roadie because the last right. couple of times I loaded it up, there was nothing. Yeah, I would uh, Hannibal. If you've never checked out his channel, Hannibal is hungry. I won't plug it anymore, but uh, and then find a show called Beyond the Algorithm. It's always him and I, and I, and if you just look, one of them you might have said luggage, or and if not, he's got a couple short videos on luggage that he pulled from that video. So he's talking about the exact same thing. And we always show people how to get to the websites. Like there was one that was for Airbnb owners oh. who, if you, but if you don't want to use your house as the Airbnb anymore, and if you lived in the right market, they could help you as a, um, as a, as a rental dog park. So that people are using your property, but nobody's in the house. So now you can like, either use it yourself, take it off Airbnb, um, leave it on Airbnb as long as you say that there's a, a dog park in the day behind it. But people people with like an acre and a half in certain markets, and no, I'm not talking about like highest paid San Francisco or, or LA or New York or anything, but just even a little, just property pretty much anywhere near a city was getting some people two to $2,500 a month. Um, and that was just, it's just like a, it's a dog app, but again, it's not an app, so you won't find it. It's a website. So when we go digging, we go digging for these websites and see what kind of weird work we can find. <laughs> because I mean, one day they'll all be on apps, but right now, um, even this, the, some of the stuff we find is even hard to find on TaskRabbit and those kind of yeah. things are just, you got to go Sounds find it. Like I have stuff. to go listen to this and bring a bunch of it on Paraworks is what I'm writing down. So. Hey, you know what? I forgot I didn't tell you, but I told Chan today. So we only do one a month. Yeah. Next Tuesday, and it's live. Next Tuesday, and in and a, and a lot of them, the CEO has joined us for the last 20 minutes. Joel from Dumpling. Um, I got I got Matt from um, Curry joined us. And so we might be having you because next week is Paraworks. Oh, 
Oh. <laughs> I'm a one, I would love to plug it. But more importantly, I'm just like, hey, who's this luggage delivery that will pay three times cutting out the middle then? And how can I get that for the users? Right. <laughs> like, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, oh, yeah. For that, David, just, uh, go, like, look, hey, just go look on Handable's channel. Tell me, tell me what those websites are. I'll go. I'll go well, go to, yeah, just go watch any of the, I'll send them to you. Yeah. Because we've only, we've done like, I think we've done five. But I mean, it's interesting stuff. The medical career stuff pays amazing if you're willing to do it. Yeah. You know, and it's not, you're not, obviously, they're not entrusting like, you got to be a good gig worker, but they're not entrusting even a good gig worker with like hearts or anything like real. You're just transporting like tissue and things like that, that um, if you're comfortable with it, you can make a lot of yeah. money, um, a lot of money. Um, but have we even talked about the driver's rights movement yet? <laughs> uh, and welcome David, um, CEO of Parrot, David Pickerell. Um who now I'm going to pick on a little bit and we're going <laughs> to, uh, I know we talked about it last time, but we kind of just got through this a little bit. Can you give us just a quick, uh, crash course on the four basic principles? Yeah. So basically, uh, outside of para, para is a part of what we're calling the driver's rights movement, which exists beyond just para, uh, trying to basically give a platform for independent contract drivers to advocate for the privileges and rights of what it means to be an independent contractor. Effectively saying, hey, if gig company, companies can't have it both ways, if they're gonna categorize drivers as independent contractors, there are certain obligations that need to be fulfilled for that. And I think we believe in just four very basic principles for a more perfect gig system. I'm in charge of my work. I have a say in the system. My time is valuable. I own my data. And I think really, our belief there is the idea that sort of like there was this initial promise of gig work and that we basically it's time to make bring us back to fulfill the promise of what that gig work means right so uh you know access and uh, sort of you should have the access to your information you should have the control and flexibility to do what you want and platforms should respect and respond to your needs and your preferences and that's really what we're trying to push for so I actually, I think, and I know we covered that the last time too, but I, I wanted to talk about um, my time is valuable a little bit more. Um, are you referring to, are you referring to like dash time versus active time? Uh, somewhat, right? So or, think, that's what I was going to say. That was my next thing. Or are you talking about like somewhat, like some of that time being yeah. covered or something? So that I know we're going to touch on this in a bit, but I think more it draws back to a couple different things of what it means to be an independent contractor. My time is valuable is this idea that you should have competition for your time, right? So if you look at sort of the Department of Labor and what they interpret, the sort of Fair Labor Standards Act, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that they interpret in there, but there's a couple of these that I think we've sort of simplified to my time is valuable, right? So one of these is the worker should have an opportunity for profit and loss, right? So this means can the worker earn a profit by performing the job more efficiently or exercising skill? I think there's another part here that basically says the amount of initiative uh, or judgment in an open market competition that drives a worker's success and whether the worker as an independent business can organize and operate themselves. But really what we mean by this is the idea that you shouldn't through friction only be able to work on one app. 
there should actually be multiple options in a seamless way for your time. And sort of beyond just the sort of Department of Labor interpretation, where I really want to go to sort of more on the being pro-driver and why this is good for drivers is the only way in a sort of algorithm-powered marketplace to push back and get better pricing and better sort of a, a better situation for drivers is essentially by drivers being able to say no. And I think uh, a lot of the time what people have interpreted this as is, oh, there should be a strike or, oh, people should reject trips under a certain dollar amount. I'm for those. I understand why people want to do those, but I also think that it's it's silly to assume or hard to assume that everyone will give up what's in their short-term interest. But let's be real, a lot of people just need to put food on the table and make it learn it living, right? So if you think about it, the most realistic way to get people to say no to bad trips or trips that don't pay well is if there's other alternatives, that competition for time. So to mm -hmm. me, I think why that's so important is not only is it that key part of what it means to be an independent contractor, I also think that that is what allows us to pressure the companies to get to a better gig economy. Um, do either of you guys want to weigh in on any of this so far? Or? I have one one comment um, about your on the subject of your time being valuable, and it's going in a different direction than David did. Mm -hmm. One of the things that has really frustrated me is that when things go wrong on a gig, you have to invest an enormous amount of time in getting compensation that you believe you're entitled to or in setting the situation right. So you, you go to a restaurant, pick up some food, and you pull out of the restaurant and the person texts you a different address. Mm -hmm. And it's 12 miles further away. Well, so now you've got to pull over to, you can either drive the extra 12 miles and eat the loss, or you can, you can cancel the order and jeopardize your future status on the app, or you can get on a support line and hope and pray that you get somebody competent and that it doesn't take 40 minutes to get through and that they actually authorize you some extra pay, which they may or may not. Meanwhile, you've taken 45 minutes of your time away from paying work. And when you're in the world of W-2 work, uncompensated labor is illegal. A mm -hmm. company that tells you to work off the clock will have huge legal problems. But in the gig world, they essentially force you to work off the clock and they do it with impunity. So that's when you say my time has value, that's the thing that's popping into my head. And that's that's a policy issue and, and something that needs to be improved. I think if a gig company had excellent customer service for, or excuse me, excellent contractor service, the people that we're contacting, that company would be flooded with good workers because we all have the experience of contacting somebody who doesn't understand the question, doesn't have the solution, really doesn't care, and it costs us money. Well, I can tell you, and, and you know as well, that there's a wide difference in quality between, say, DoorDash versus Amazon Flex, for example, um, 
you know, my experience with Amazon Flex support is that it's very good. It's very responsive. And, uh, you know, you get through almost instantly and they take care of you. My experience with DoorDash is it can be a half hour waiting in the queue and then it's a crapshoot whether you get anything helpful out of them. So, you know, it uh, I'm only cool. laughing because we have a, a David knows him, too. We have a friend and uh, both you guys, all of us, you guys might know him as well. Zach drives fast. Um, Zach, Zach has a rule about when he calls on DoorDash. If he hears a goat, he just hangs up. <laughs> now, see, if I don't, <laughs> if, if I don't hear a goat, I assume I dialed the wrong number. Right, or you're actually going to get some help that's helpful. Usually, I, I I hear the rooster. And the rooster, yeah, or the rooster. Yeah, yeah he's rooster. had a bunch of them. He's like, you know, there I just I have a lot of triggers that I'm like, nope. There's some there's some really <laughs> cute memes out there too. With a you know a, a console with a guy with a rooster on his head and you know yeah. there's this. I mean, it is horrible. I I got to tell you guys, I had a horrible experience with one of these, and I'm not going to say even what happened. I'm just going to be very nice. Instacart, um, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, when I was talking to the person, um, and I don't know where they were from. I have no idea. Um, I mean, I could probably make some guesses, but. Uh, they, when we were talking about, when we were verifying myself before talking and I said, I was from Colorado. Um, she, she said, um, she, she said that they didn't have the country of Colorado. Oh. And I knew we had bigger problems than my issue. Yes. That, that's when you hang up and hit redial. <laughs> I know. But if, like you said, if you've been in the queue, if you've. Right. Now what? Because even that person usually is very, they really, they're not going to get you to somebody higher. Even if they put you on hold, it's just going to leave you on hold. I mean, if you do get somebody, it's, you're just getting lucky because. Yeah. Right. And, and so that, and getting back to the original point of your time having value as a contractor, you know, when I work in contract arrangements where I'm fully in charge, you know, freelancing mm -hmm. in IT or tax work, people don't get to waste my time for free. I had a client who uh, who, who is out of business now, but he, he used to drag me into all sorts of things that weren't particularly germane to the sort of work I was doing for him, but I was just the best person for the job. And I think at first he thought if it wasn't IT work, he was getting a freebie. And I, you know, I said, look, I'll empty your waste baskets if you want to, but the hourly rates the same. And with, with DoorDash or, or any of these, these gig apps really, uh, when you once you get outside the ordinary workflow, the hourly rate is zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it really goes back to like that you can't have it both ways, right? It's basically like we won't tell you what exactly the full terms of the trip are, but if the terms of the trip are changed, you're obligated to fulfill it. And in order to fulfill it, we're going to make you wait without paying you by going through customer support, which we don't really invest in and provide a bad experience for. And, and we're not going to show you the information you need to make an informed decision on taking this order the to begin with, right? Exactly. In the very first step. Well, that's why you also have to make your own rules. I, I get, I let so many offers go past me because I don't like the restaurants. 
They don't acknowledge me. They don't prepare the food. I have my merchants and rarely have I ever had a problem because the food is ready. Uh, if something happens, they remake, you know, they know me, uh, they know I'm doing business with them. And it's a real education. I also, uh, we had a big thing today. Uh, it was number one in our door and our, and I, you know, I kind of go through the queue and I like, what's going to be the post today? Uh, I wish I could show it to you. Maybe Steve could even post, I could send the picture. It was, it looked like the walk up steps to a trailer park and there was a huge step missing. There was, you could die, you could fall through the steps. And, but yet, and so it was real rundowns. Let's just say it's some rundown sketchy trailer park. And the driver said, this is what I had to do. And there wasn't even a tip. I think you, mm. you posted on that post, Nick, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michelle, you can, you can, uh, share your, you can share, um, if you do share screen, you can pick an open window. Like, so if you open up the image, you, you'll see the, the, your image window. Yeah. yeah. But you'd have to find it. Though. Okay. Don't even look. <laughs> yeah. But, but, <laughs> but, I, but you know, I, and that person was a dummy cause they took a no tip order, but, exactly. but, but what you can't blame, you can't blame the merchant and you really can't even blame DoorDash when you have a customer who knows they're outside the delivery area. So they put in their old address and then message you after you've accepted the order. That's, right. that's really not, it's not the merchant's fault. It's kind of not DoorDash's fault either or whoever. Well, but, but the problem is that we don't have a reasonably efficient way of dealing with those situations. I, I would like to propose something that I think is very easy. It's the same kind of thing we've talked about with driver tips, which obviously they just don't want to do, you know, like how hard would it be to just show it? Okay. Well, so how hard would it be for them to make, sh have a flow screen for when you're, you're going just at that last screen, just say, you know, Hey, um, kind of the same thing as when you click that box for same as a uh, billing address. So yeah, you have your default home address in, but why can't the last screen be, this is where it's going. Correct. Uh, you're assuming that people are doing this by accident and I don't think that's necessarily. True. Well, this is my, this is my point though. This is, this is, this makes it more efficient to get hot food, everything. I mean, if the, if the goal is for the, the analytics to, not only abuse workers, but also to get food as quickly as possible to the locations. The last thing they need is people changing addresses and sending food to somewhere that's going to be cold by the time it gets there. And the restaurant doesn't want itself represented that way. Um, I don't know. I, I, how hard is it to just say, and, and why, I guess my question is why would even as a user, why would I care? Because if I care, it just means I am truly scamming the system on purpose, and I'm now mad that I can't scam. But I think sort of beyond that, it's the, the fact that the platforms would be able to solve situations like that if they wanted to, right? There's a system that shows, hey, how's the driver doing on the trips that they're doing? There's sort of a one, two, X strike policy, et cetera. Uh, you start to see Airbnb do this, right? Airbnb said it will look into some checks on some users, but to be honest, it wouldn't be hard for DoorDash to roll something out that says, okay, now that Nick's flagged that you're going to fall through, uh, you know, that you're going to fall through a stair when you're delivering. I sent you, you the should, picture, by the way. Yeah, like you should be able to uh, 
do that or you shouldn't be able to order from there again, et cetera, right? Obviously, it's not quite that simple of a system, but I've seen that here, right? I know I've brought this up on a couple of different podcasts with this sort of like four seasons that's undeliverable in San Francisco that nobody can deliver right. to that never lets you up. They see that in the data. They know that that's in the data. It's just the companies are optimizing for we want as many orders as possible. And it's that trade-off, right? Do I want to potentially turn off order, which is money, or what is the trade-off to that versus which would some drivers do it anyways, right? And I think that's really how I view a lot of the problems is the focus of the companies, right? It's sort of the grow the top line from the user at all costs above any investment into sort of a, you know, sort of the driver experience, right? Or sort of being able to solve some of these problems. Because let's be real, like if they wanted to, they could solve that problem very quickly. Very quickly. That's my point. And again, it's usually that it's not very quickly because it's, and I'm not saying they're doing it to be mean, they're doing it for their own economic reasons, but the the reason with drivers is very obvious. It's pay. It's pay related. But with this, I don't even think you'd be hurting your customer base because you would only be eliminating scammers. Oh, well, they they have implemented something and, and our and our folks have gone. Uh, they don't like it. Um, actually, after you uh, tell DoorDash maybe twice, you do something like that. You change addresses or you uh, say you didn't get your food, but you probably really did, and they identify mm -hmm. you as a trickster, they're now having drivers sign. You have to sign their phones. And the drivers despise this practice. Of uh, course. First off, the drivers don't want to have an interaction, and they don't want people touching their phones. I was just going to say that. I mean, like, how many times have, and I don't even do as much delivery probably as any of you, except for maybe David, and that's because both he and I barely do any. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like, I, I do work all the other apps, my other apps a lot, but um, even at the restaurants showing up, how many times have you had somebody at the restaurant just, and I've worked restaurants, so I get this. I didn't work during these kind of times, but they'll just grab your phone. Let me look at it. They don't really ask permission and they're not being aggressive and like throwing you to the floor. They're just kind of like, I can't see it. And they grab it and they're like, um, and you're like, dude, <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't just grab my stuff, man. You know, but at the same time, it's like, if you start showing somebody something that's kind of like a, it's kind of a reaction, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, people don't want to see that people don't want to have I mean, I question not just because of its safety, but I question why people do the liquor delivery things. It's the same thing. You got to go in and yeah. see an ID. You've got to be, you've got to have them touch, I think, sign on your phone. Yes. Well, um, they're not doing that. The last four or five that I did, I just did one the other night, buying wine from a restaurant. And I, I request that the, that the uh, customer hold their address out. And, you know, DoorDash is asking me some questions. Do they look like they're intoxicated and things of that nature? I'm making my best guess. They're at their own home. I don't think they're going out driving, but they're putting me in that position. And then just scan the front of their license. And then they come back, check verified, no signature required. Yeah, Instacart also, you scan the barcode on the back of the license. It auto-populates a form. Yeah. And they never touch your phone. Oh, okay. I thought that I saw something that I know Drizzly was bought out by Uber, but they're going to start franchising that out a bit. And I thought any 
platforms using Drizzly were moving to a, you had to check their ID and then yes. you had to have them sign a phone. Well, that was on, that was a big post I had today because somebody said they, they felt like they got a contact high when they touched someone's license plate. She, it was my number one post. She said she got back in the car a half an hour later, everything started kind of going wiggly on her and all that. And she thought that, that they maybe cut some drug with the driver's license. And she just said, I want you to be aware it could happen. And, uh, you know, about a hundred people weighed in on that comment, but, uh, Drizzly, you're right. I do do Uber and uh, people agree with me. Um, I'm not going to say I've done this, but a lot of people said they go ahead and do the signing themselves. It's yeah. just a scribble and cause they don't mind by touching their phone. And I agree, but I wouldn't say that in a Facebook group. No, right. <laughs> save, that, save that for Reddit. <laughs> I, I mean, unless you've got a fake name on your Facebook profile, but you know, with with, with, uh, with the way they do it with Instacart, you can have the customer hold their license, and you can just kind of, you know, yeah. they're holding the license, and you just move the phone up to the appropriate distance and yes. it goes bleep and it's I done. think the I think the reason why I've seen some of the articles that I have um is because they're having a big problem because every state like okay let's talk about our states um David's in California Michelle's in Missouri um you're in Missouri I'm in Colorado we all have different liquor laws we all have different classes that you need to take to be able to handle liquor, including package liquor. So even at a, even at a liquor store where you're not making drinks, whatever, you're just ringing it up. You still have to take, like here it's called tips. It's called a tips class and it doesn't mean how to handle tips. It means how to watch in like for the bar, you have to take more classes because you have to take how to watch for people getting drunk and what are the signs and, and how to, and then there's like strategies on how to get them out of the location safely. Try and well, get I was them. delivering in Seattle, right? Uh, I had to take to deliver alcohol. I had to take a tips class there, and it took like yes. hours or something like that. I remember. Yeah, because they want to talk to you about understanding. I mean, I know some people like when I was working in the bar, the younger people come in and they're just like, I don't care. And you can see them; they have to show up on a Saturday to do this thing. They just they come in hungover. They just don't care. But nonetheless, you have to listen to this person for six hours, and it does it does weigh in. They make it fun, but um, but you do learn something. You, I mean, we don't learn anything from the non videos. And I have heard of a few videos being out there, though. I can't remember. I think it was Dash Theory who was telling me this that there are some videos, and it was one of the platforms. And that would go to the same thing about like there being rain videos. Why can there be rain videos, but not training tutorial? Like not even hard ones, but just super short training tutorials where until you did watched three videos, you know, for two minutes each, you couldn't work on the app. Cause if you can't spend six minutes watching those videos, you shouldn't be able to work on the app. You don't, you, you don't nearly have enough of a commitment to this. If you don't have six minutes first. Um, but I don't know, you know, I mean, I know back in the day and we've talked about this before is that, you know, they just didn't want to be any part of training. But I think that now if you're going to deal with liquor, if you're going to deal with underage minors and if you're going to deal with people being raped, those are three things at least that need to be covered. Um, you know, I because where I go with a lot of this is sort of a, 
you can say, hey, the platform should flag some of this. The platform should be better. But the simplest solution is for me to be able to say, I just don't want ever, I don't ever want to go back to that person with the weird stuff on their ID. I don't want to go back to that place where I'll fall through the stair, right? That's sort of the simplest solution. And I think sort of bringing that back to sort of that IC law stuff, right? This idea of sort of like the rights to control your work, right? And the fact that the platforms can't, shouldn't be able to exert that right to control the work that you do. And to me, that's just the simplest way is like, just give the power to the individual and say, I, I ain't ever going back there, right? It, mm-hmm. You know, that's the easiest way. Well, and the funny thing is they already give that power to the restaurants. If you go in and mouth off to the hostess and they don't want to ever see you again, they click on your name and you'll never get an offer from them again. Yeah, and it's sort of crazy. Why can't you do that to the restaurant, right? If you show up and they do, if they mouth off to you, I don't want to go back to that Taco Bell. To the restaurant, you're right, to the restaurant and also to the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you you get you get a customer who tip baits, okay, that's the last time you'll see me, brother. Because they don't trust the drivers to do that properly. But if it's only affecting my workflow, it doesn't matter, right? Right, but then they don't know how much the workflow is that can go to that Taco Bell. Because what if nobody wants to go to the Taco Bell? Well, they the all say Bell no, 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 I hate it. Pay more at a price people lose but if it's but if it's for reasons of being if the reasons like what if it's a really clean one it services fairly promptly it's just super busy people don't want to go you would start getting people like that going i I had a problem here but but if all but if clicking on that button does nothing other than cut off future offers from that restaurant to me then who can then that's my right i agree i also agree that why when you know the full pay are you saying we'll only show them this and then on the tips only show them this and then whatever's left we'll give them at the end after they do the job well you know doordash (laughs) has changed their their order offers now they're not even showing us uh item really showing us items anymore yeah they're giving us less and less information to try to deduce what might be at the end I was wondering if any of you got, did any of you guys see this article about, I mean, I think it's been out for a couple of days now about the city of Chicago. No. So um, Uber eats uh, the settlement finally went through for a lawsuit that's been going on for a while. Uber has agreed to a $10 million settlement with the city of Chicago for listing local restaurants in the Uber eats and Postmates app without restaurants consent um, as well as uh, charging excessive commission fees. So we've heard about this, and like I've heard about Washington D.C., somebody having like a kitchen in their house and serving like Tortinas pizzas after midnight to drunks. Like Tortinos, like, like from- yeah, they go buy them at the store for a dollar, and then they oh and then they sell them for TikTok. five. The guy went super viral. I saw this. Yeah, yeah, and then they sell them for five out of their apartment. Unbelievable. I mean, a, a Dash Theory. We were on. We were doing a roundtable a couple weeks back, and he said he had his first. God, what platform was it? It was a food delivery and it wasn't Grubhub. It was Uber Eats or it was DoorDash. But he's in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and he had his first where he picked up was um, an apartment building. Like he had to go up to an apartment and they're like, yeah, here's the food. We get some people that, that find that to be very strange. And then others come on and they ream them. Why don't you... Why? They should have the ability to earn money if they want to. They support it. 
Oh my God. You being in that industry forever. That is the, that is the most hideous thing I've ever heard. As much yeah. as I hate regulations and things like that, there's a whole cleanliness, um, sanitary, all kinds of things that restaurants have to go through. So, I mean, should people be able to make PB and J's while they're smoking weed? No. Or have <laughs> you know? their, cat, their cat walk around the sink, and I know. Yeah, you know, or they or they have they have turtles and 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 snakes, and they have mouth. They you know they're into reptiles, and so they've got salmonella all over the counters. Uh, okay. I mean, you could probably charge extra for those PB and J weed sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a whole new. It, I think I'd I think I'd target more addictive. <laughs> they get you hooked. Bad example there, but uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I honestly from. After working gigs for a while, it, it makes me really hesitant to order delivery anyway, just because of what you see when you're out and about. But Right. But I mean, like this settlement makes sense to me, but it's like, gosh, they went after that many. I mean, this isn't one business. This is so many rest. This is all the restaurants in Chicago that told Uber Eats no. They put them on anyway. They said, well, forget it. And well, we're going like to charge. Right, we've seen quite a lot of this is the restaurants being upcharged, the end consumer being mispriced because the restaurant prices are higher on the platforms. I think to some extent it's you know good when I see that. I think Pennsylvania did something else too. But what's been missing from a lot of this, the last sort of the state investigated somebody, there's a settlement was DC for when DoorDash was actually skimming the tips, not just hiding the tips, mm -hmm. right? So it's been a while since we've seen a state go on the driver's side of things. So while it makes me happy to see that some of this is going with market fairness, uh, I think that's part of the reason we're trying to push with the drivers, right? Is the restaurant lobby is powerful. They have political power. They can push for these sort of investigations and put things in front of attorneys general, et cetera. I think that's to some extent is attorneys general should, you know, when they talk about consumer protection, uh, you know, the driver is technically also supposedly the consumer of these apps per their stance there. So I think really hope to see the states do more from that perspective. Yeah, see, I, I don't know about Uber Eats, but a few years back before they got bought out, I was doing Postmates for a little while. And and that happened to me. I took an order from Postmates when it, and it was one of the ones where you know you had to use the red card, except I think it was a black card for Postmates. And I went in there and uh, and started to put in the order. And when she saw that I was using the Postmates debit card, she said, "Nope, get on out of here." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, they sure did do that. It, it was uh, O.B. Clark's down on uh, Brentwood I Boulevard. I remember you telling me that. That's uh, yes. And and thank you, because I never went in there and embarrassed myself. Yeah. yeah. So that's what they were doing. They were just they were, uh, you know, they they go into a restaurant, snap a picture of a menu and put it online with a 30 percent markup or whatever. And from from Postmates view, I think they were like, well, we're the, cust the, the customer of the restaurant and we're reselling the product. Yep. Um, but then I remember seeing, uh, I remember seeing then the same platforms complaining about apps that would scrape prices from DoorDash, right? So there's a couple of these apps for consumers that would scrape the prices from DoorDash and compare. 
I remember sort of the platforms made a huge outcry, but like, how dare you scrape our menus and our prices? That was just the biggest irony of all time is like, y'all did that to the restaurant whose menu it actually is. Yeah. Right. Well, but at the same time, I don't know if you know, I don't, David, you must know this, that I don't know if you know, but when, forget this way, forget this bootlegging real restaurants in Chicago, but when you do, when you make an agreement and say, yes, DoorDash, I will work with you and you're a restaurant, they actually, ch so we know they charge the consumer. They charge the consumer a lot of fees, everything to get the food delivered. But do you know that they're, that they give the restaurants the option to pay? Or they can, or they suggest that they that they use a price increment on their on their menu items. I found that out just recently, and I was I was blown away because I was like, I hear a lot of restaurants complain that, hey, why is this more when they order it through the app? But I've now found out that the legit restaurants who get who really, you know, the good managers who work with DoorDash and stuff realize they're a big portion of their business. They are making a decision of do I want to just pay some fees and whatever this looks like, or do I want to like, they have a, a, a strategy worked out for you increase all your items by 2%. And that will cover all the transactions. Interesting. You know, and to me, I'm like, I'm like, that's, you know, it's just so horrible because that should not be happening. It, it should all be going to the consumer. The restaurants, I mean, I've ran a bar and restaurant. It's hard to keep food cost where it needs to be. It's hard to make money on food. It is. I mean, maybe not a food truck these days, a little more luck there, but it's tough to run a restaurant. And if you're having to up your prices because it's being delivered, I mean, if there's already a delivery fee being charged to you. Well, yeah, but that delivery fee is not enough to cover the costs. Well, we know what to do then. Raise it. You know? And I know nobody wants to... I mean, I know we all are just going to say, well, they're not going to do that. But that's... Well, that's... You, you know what this... You know what it's like, though? You, are you familiar with what... When they do a TIFF or a TDD when they build a shopping center? Mm. So, okay. So... What they do, it, if they're building a new shopping center somewhere, they'll do something that's called a TDD, a Transportation Development District. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it allows them to borrow money to build the roads and the parking lots and the infrastructure and then pay those bonds back using what looks like a sales tax. It goes on your receipt as part of the sales tax. From the shops in the mall. So, so if you the, go into a Target store in a TDD versus a Target store that's old and not in a TDD, the price sticker on the shelf is going to be the same. But when you go in the register through the register, the sales tax will have an extra half percent tagged on there, and that sales tax goes to the TDD to pay off the bonds that the developer used to build the infrastructure for the shopping center. And so you don't think about the fact that it's more expensive to shop at this target than that target because they've hidden it. And they're doing the same thing with this. If they say $10 delivery fee, people will be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's outrageous. 
But if you add 30 cents on to this item and, you know, and with Instacart, somebody's buying 40 or 50 items from the grocery store, they add 10 or 15 cents on to each item. People don't think about it. Well, you know, the bag of carrots is $1.50 in the store and it's $1.65 when I ordered it through Instacart. I don't know if it they it might have been more expensive this week anyway, whatever. People don't realize that they're paying that money, and so they'll go ahead and pay it. That's why they can't put it all in one big fixed fee like that that people can see. I feel like it's okay to market up to me as long as it's transparent before you buy it. Yeah, but that's what I, that's what I was just thinking, David. How do you make that happen? Like a sign? I mean... <laughs> I mean, we all know it. Come on, let's be honest. Like signs aren't really legit. That's not legit. Don't just have a sign up that says, "Hey, there's a," you know. Is it? I I, I am curious. Like in the same zip code, is it a line item on the on the receipt? So if I go to two targets in the same zip code and one is on a TDD, will it have a line item for that? No, probably not. You'll just have a different sales tax rate. Because sales that, tax that just seems illegal to me. I, I'm I'm just we, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not even in, a tax In metropolitan St. Louis, we have hundreds of these. Mm-hmm. And it's not a whole zip code. It's one shopping center that has no, its I, I No, right. I get it. I get it. I mean, uh, it can be a zip code. You go I'm from- just wondering because it just seems like you're not charging the tax. <laughs> you're charging the tax and a little more that people don't know about. Well, the state law allows them to levy that as a tax. Weird. I, I mean, I'm I glad mean, you told me that. I've never heard that in my life. I, I don't know if they have it in Colorado, but I'll bet they do. Oh, it's a state um, by state. Okay. And yeah, it's a state law. But, you know, if you want to talk about lack of transparency, look, my biggest gripe with the gig apps and DoorDash in particular, as a... When the tip hiding is bad for the driver, but the tip hiding is really bad for the customer. And there's where the real lack of transparency is because the customer is putting a larger tip with the hopes of getting better service. And when, when DoorDash hides the tip, and doesn't tell the customer that they're doing it, they're depriving the customers of a service that they're paying for, and they're doing so in a way that's non-transparent. That irks me even more than the fact that I look at an offer in DoorDash and I don't really know how much it's going to pay. They're they're flat out stealing from the customer. Yeah, I I uh, couldn't agree more. Um, Although on this, there's something quite interesting. I just pulled this up on the other side of my screen here, but basically uh, the DC attorney general and the uh, Pennsylvania attorney general last year shipped. came to an agreement oh. with Uber Eats, mm-hmm. basically saying that they had to add disclosures to its app if there are price differences between what you would order in the restaurant and what was being charged in the app. So a check actually, a checkbox that we already check anyway. Even well, I think I've actually gone to this. I think it's like a pop up that says, "Hey, the price difference is there." Okay. But they actually just also had a settlement two weeks ago with Grubhub, also saying if the mm-hmm. price is different than what's in the restaurant versus what's in the app, you have to call it out. Now the settlement with Grubhub was a slap on the wrist. Grubhub had to donate one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars or one hundred fifty thousand dollars to Pennsylvania food banks. 
Yeah, but Grubhub also got it handed to them in New York City. Um, and they're being sued huge for that. I don't know if you saw that this summer when they did everybody gets free food for the one afternoon. They didn't, yeah. they forgot to tell the restaurants. So you can, you guys can now imagine what happened. Yeah. Restaurants were closing, people were quitting. Um, you know, they're like, forget this. I mean, the orders were coming in at a hundred times the rate of normal, and it's New York City. And restaurants were shutting down that they hadn't shut down, let's say, even through the pandemic. They haven't been shut, haven't locked their doors 24 hours a day in 10 years. And they were because they're like, we can't do these orders. Yeah. And so I there's think- a big lawsuit coming there too. You know, it's like, it's like, how is that oversight? I mean, how are you Grubhub who's, who's being repped somewhat by Amazon right now? And you didn't catch that you're doing this huge promo for everybody that orders over $9 gets a free delivery today. And this is before they were on Amazon. It was yeah. just before it. It was kind of like, I think, a plug for going to Amazon. And so now it's like, oh, we forgot to sell the restaurants. Really? Because I would think that would be a restaurant participation thing and that you'd be limited in the restaurants you could use. You know, like, hey, do you guys want to participate in this? We'll still pay you all the fees. Because some restaurants, their quality of their food is what matters the most. So they'd be like, no, I don't want 100 extra orders tomorrow. Yeah. And you I think know. it really goes back to, right, is the you have to remember that the marketplace is optimizing for what the market, for what is the best outcome for them mm-hmm. at the expense of both the restaurant and the driver most of the time, right? That is what they're optimizing for. And I really think that's when we sort of, bring it back to some of the earlier part of this conversation of why you need full transparency and also why you need people to be able to input their preferences, right? So really what I boil down to what needs to be better, it's tra- not just transparency, but it's transparency plus the preference of each party to be able to be taken into account. In this scenario, the restaurant should be able to say, hey, I don't want to be part of this. Hey, I don't want to give away free food, et cetera, et cetera. And I think to get a little wonky here, I think quickly is just like, if you just look at it from sort of like a marketplace efficiency, essentially what's happening is the platforms are you know, not taking into account the preferences of the other parties on purpose mm-hmm. uh, and basically using that to generate that sort of arbitrage. And I think in a more perfect system, right, you would want the inputs of everybody because once you have the inputs and the preferences of everybody, that's how you price this stuff efficiently. And that's what I found really interesting, right? Stephen, you and I have had this conversation, right? Where, you know, this is uh, actually it's sort of Sergio from Show Me the Money Club yesterday, right? Where he essentially said, hey, the CEO of Uber and the chairman of Lyft said, hey, it's up to us. Our job as the marketplace is to price these things efficiently and price these things correctly. But you can't price things correctly if you're missing inputs from both the sides, right? That just doesn't work. Right. What you're then pricing effectively is for the outcome that you are looking for, not what the others want. I think that's sort of the core of the ecosystem problem here. If you Um, noticed, Sergio jumped right on that with almost like his disbelief in it. Like, we'll see. (laughs) Like, you guys aren't going to be able to do this. (laughs) Um, So if people are wondering how this is relating to the driver's rights movement, every piece of what we've talked about, I think has, to, has so far the overall picture of this, of this portion, I think would be 
look at how these companies operate, not just with us drivers, but listen to what we're saying about how they even talk to businesses, the B2B part. I mean, that's pretty sad. I mean, what we're saying about this would have never flown in any other time in history to just go, listen, you own that restaurant. You worked your everything off for it. Okay, well, we're going to do this to it. No, I don't want to have that. Okay, well, we're just going to do it anyway. We'll just deliver your food. We'll charge the fees. Forget it. I mean, and then you have to go to court over it. I mean, this is ridiculous. So for all the drivers out there hearing this, realize that the customers get played with how much they pay. They're probably the best out of all of them. And then the drivers just get worked. But these restaurants are are not crushing it. It helps them to have these apps. But some restaurants don't like these apps coming in because they know how much they serve, how many plates they put out in a night. And they don't want to put out anymore. They've got this system down. And most restaurants like to carry the food on hand they need no more. They'll order two to three times a week to only carry what they need. So they don't want to be slammed and 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 they they've got the you know Philadelphia's best Philly cheesesteak. They don't and they're known for it. They don't want to get slammed by a bunch of Uber orders the first hour they're open that takes away their whole day's um, ingredients. I'm also curious, like, why has nobody started? Watch, this is going to be the this is going to be the blossom of an idea right here. Why has nobody started a um, like for food shelters and things that goes by McDonald's every two hours and takes the bags that they're about to throw into the trash? Because we all know they do, and they and the apps pay for them. So if McDonald's throws away a hundred bags, DoorDash pays for that food. There is a company in my town that does that. Well, it should be a nonprofit, first of all. <laughs> they've, they've started to solve that more because the answer, if you asked people a couple of years ago, would be you can't take on the liability because if the food's given to somebody else and it's bad, it doesn't work. But I think actually that is sort of being solved. So I know there's a couple of these charities that are like, we'll take on the liability or there's no. But more. we should hear about this more. This should be yeah. happening more. Because yeah. we know for a fact that, I mean, maybe one day they'll get it better dialed, but right now they are throwing McDonald's alone. I mean, that's why I'm picking on them because of their high volume. They're throwing away hundreds of bags. Chipotle every too, right? We see a ton of Chipotle at the end of the day. Yeah. The and they ah. don't care. They're treating it like, we don't care. We're making the food. If you don't pick it up, I don't care because DoorDash pays it. So we don't care. Uh, actually, David, federal law exempts the donor from uh if 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 a if a business donates food to a food charity there's a specific provision of federal law that excludes them from liability awesome yeah that makes sense that makes sense it's called a gift a meal app my girlfriend works there okay yeah oh gift a meal though yeah so you're buying it I don't know how that works. If well, that's what I'm immediately reading into. Is yeah, that you are Agreed. paying for that meal. <laughs> and what I'm saying is, this should not be a customer pay thing. This should be a DoorDash pays McDonald's. Yes, and then work out how you're going to deal with write-offs or anything like that. I don't know, but the tax practitioner's right there. I'm not yeah. him. Well, I mean, DoorDash, <laughs> DoorDash is taking an expense for what they pay McDonald's. Right. You know, and therefore, why? But why just throw it into trash cans? We have people. I mean, we're not third world yet. 
But um, well, the the only the only reason why is because you have to have somebody come around and pick it all up, and then you have to have somebody somewhere else who wants the food. And I we we have a local pizza place. Well, it's a chain, but it's it's locally owned. And there was a period of time, you know, I know the owner, and there was a winter homeless shelter, and they make pizzas in advance, and the pizzas either get bought within 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is, or they throw it on a shelf in the back and they throw them away at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And the owner was willing to let me come in there uh, and, and say, Hey, give me your trash pizzas. And I carry them across the street to the homeless shelter. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that was a thing on a local level and I honestly, I think that works best on a local level only because, you know, we've got a St. Louis area food bank and they get all the leftovers from the grocery store. It's right. a it's a huge bureaucratic organization. You have all this criteria you have to meet in order to get food from them. And, you know, mm-hmm. they have trucks and staff and mm-hmm. offices and warehouses and what we're really talking about is somebody walking into Chipotle at eight o'clock, scooping everything up off the DoorDash table and bringing it down the street to the homeless shelter. And honestly, any big company ought to be willing to facilitate that. There, and there you go. That's what I was just going to say. Use the oversaturation and pay the damn driver. Pay the drivers with bigger cars a nice amount to go work with these food banks and stuff. I, I've worked with them directly here in Denver because I've worked with the bars a lot. So we've done food drives. We've done um, other things with involving music and raising funds for especially the Denver Rescue Mission, which is one of the top ones in the country. Um, you know, they I know for a fact they would figure it out logistically from their end to go get food because we have that bad of a homeless problem in Denver. They can't even house near everybody at night. We have a real situation. So to get three times as many people fed per day, they would do whatever they'd use their own cars. They'd whatever it took, but why can't DoorDash use the half of the drivers who aren't doing anything except for hitting decline or using para and auto decline. <laughs> you know, maybe it would override the auto decline and say, no, no, this is a charity job. And yeah. we'll pay you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like all the, the pieces are there. We're putting the food out. Nobody's eating it. It's getting thrown into the trash. We have a ton of drivers that aren't getting enough orders in a night. DoorDash is a big enough company. They're facing so many lawsuits in so many States. Why not do so? They do other things like that. Like, they do st- stupid things like take you to polling. And and this year it was even different. It was we'll pay half of your half of your going to vote or we'll pay half of this to get vaccinations. Well, the, they were paying full. I mean, why not do something like that that truly helps communities? Yeah. I mean, it, I don't see the loss here. And I would think it's a it's that time in history to do it, too. Like with all these things we're talking about wanting transparency the driver's rights movement i mean with all this ganging up on you wouldn't you want to start doing some charitable stuff or showing because it's not going to be a big loss again i'm going to ask you nick because you're the tax practitioner i mean wouldn't there be a benefit to instead of just writing off or or just instead of throwing this as a way as food waste 
So there's a benefit to the merchant, potentially, the restaurant. Uh, there's, the restaurant can get an enhanced tax deduction. Um, there wouldn't be any benefit to DoorDash or, or whoever. But could it be worked out between them? No. Or would that get sketchy? No. Yeah, okay. No. Uh, but but look, the, the other thing you've got to understand is if you're sitting here declining, the fact, if you tell me I'll give you $5 to go to McDonald's and pick up two dozen bags and bring it to bring it to the homeless shelter, and I'm out here trying to earn a living, you know. Well, why wouldn't it, I'm, this is where I would ask you, why wouldn't it be $30, $40? Make it a very big Why offer. would it be $30? DoorDash is going to pay you $30 to go pick up garbage and give it to some homeless people for free? They're not, they don't care. Door I think it's about time they start getting they're in here with to the make cities. money just the same you know, as you and me. Okay. True. But they can't. They look, <laughs> they can do whatever they want. But DoorDash, no, I mean, they can't make money. They have not figured that out. Well, and, and that makes it all the more difficult for them to say, right. oh, well, I'm going to pay Steve $30 to bring trash. Well, then, like you said, maybe let's just keep it at McDonald's. But, but, but let's be honest. The homeless shelter needs the food. They'll go to the McDonald's and get that's it. what. Yeah. And that's what I was so. About the ones so here. what what DoorDash really ought to do, and this would cost DoorDash nothing, is they could make a they could make a pitch to their restaurants or or to to a few chain restaurants and say look you got this food here at the end of the day let's do something good together mm -hmm. and don't bring the drivers that are working for a living in in on this because you know i hear people say oh well i, I hear i hear you on i that. take a no tip order every now and then just to do something good and they'll get 20 people jump on them and say look if i want charity to do charity i'll go volunteer right and also and and you made a good point because also the like the food banks i know here they're very good ones it's a little hard to park get in there deal with it um, you're dealing with a lot but of, here, but here's what you can do, Steve. You can tell the you can tell the food, the, excuse me, the homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. Have somebody at your shelter load the DoorDash app, and every night between six and eight, or whatever times that it is, we'll only send orders to you for charity pickup. And it would come through just like a regular DoorDash order, but it would say, go to McDonald's and pick up these 10 orders. And those would be the abandoned orders. And the, and the, the offer would only go to people logged in as food pantry people or homeless shelter people. So if I'm a homeless shelter volunteer, I load the DoorDash app. I designate myself as a homeless shelter person. And then the only offers I get are from restaurants that have food that they need to get rid of and they're willing to donate. They could do that for next. It would cost them nothing. They could use the same app they already have. They'd add one <clears throat> field to your uh, Dasher mm -hmm. data, which would be I'm a charity Dasher. Mm-hmm. 
and maybe they'd have to have some verification that you really work for the homeless shelter and you don't just don't just have a fetish for cold McDonald's and you're trying to scam them. Um, bootleg McDonald's down on the but, corner. <laughs> but, you know, and, and not just McDonald's, but there's pizza places and there's other stuff. There's catering companies that cater a banquet and they have a tray of food left. Mm-hmm. And, and and so they could sign up as rest, you know, and most of them already are restaurants. Uh, people sign up as as charity dashers, and they get offers. And if the and if you're sitting at the food pantry or, or at the homeless shelter, and you've got twenty hungry people sitting there, and Chipotle and McDonald's offer some meals, you accept and you go pick them up. Yeah. And there's no and there's no money change hands. There's no pay for it because you're a food pantry volunteer. It's just a service DoorDash would provide to connect restaurant surplus with charitable need. They could do that. It would cost them nothing. And if if they don't do that, it all ends. And and, and I'm not trying to be over dramatic. It all ends up in a green trash trash bin. Sure, it does. So yeah. I mean, so it, they should do that. Yeah, I mean, we got to start looking at things like this because this is ridiculous. You know, I mean, I've seen, I'm sure we all have um, shorts on YouTube or on TikTok or whatever of just a McDonald's that just, they don't even have any counter space left. All of it's taken with bags. That photo was in my bin this morning, a new photo. I, yeah, I, I, yeah we get those all the time. I yeah. mean, it's it's just it's just sad to know that People are dying from starvation in every one of our cities, all, all of us here tonight. Um, and we made, it doesn't solve it, but it sure would be something. Yeah. Um, but okay, let's, let's, let's keep moving along. Cause that each one of these could go forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we've talked about data privacy um, and your right to have it. Um, the right to make a living wage. I think, this one is a little, this one maybe needs a little discussion. David, how do you, how do you view this one? Yeah, I, put, I put it here. I think it's sort of like right to, uh, to make a living. Right. And I think, right. Um, well, I mean, just, yeah. However you're taking what I'm saying, like, how do you feel about this? Right. I think it's uh same thing as without the transparency, it ties back to sort of that uh, valuing somebody's time. Right. I think mm-hmm. it's, if I have the information, if I know what my expenses are, if I know really what the pay I'm going to be making there is, uh, and on top of that, I think it also ties into, and I have the ability to access other opportunities uh, because when your app is slow, uh, I think that's really how I how I read into that. Hmm. Uh, Michelle, do you have any comment on that at all? The just if I make the comment right to make a living wage, do you, I mean, do you see that as, cause I, I got to tell you, I, David and I see eye to eye on everything, but when I hear this, all I think is floor payment, ceiling payment, same payment. Yeah. Um, once again, was brought up uh, just a typical, this might not be what I'm discussing, but the, uh, and it's, it's old in my market. But a lot of people are just getting that rollout. Would you like to earn an hourly wage and your wage would be $14 an hour? Or would you like to go ahead and do your orders? And people are asking, should I opt for that hourly wage? And we're all saying, no, 
If you have to opt for $14, if you're not making $20 an hour, yeah, you shouldn't be doing in gig work, you shouldn't be doing it because you're obviously not putting any money away. You're, you're not going to be able well, to afford it, fix anything car. Right. The expenses on your car alone. You know, um, today, all day long, I was in 30 plus, and that's where I want to be. And so 30 plus all day long. And I would never take a, uh, me, I'm not going to work for, I think in my, in my market, it's more like 16, but nevertheless, and in some markets it's 10 and people, and do you know that some people have never had a $10 order? And I say to them, do something else, people. Why do you feel like you have to do DoorDash? But what if, but what if you live in North Platte, Nebraska, if any of you have ever drove through North Platte, no, and if or if anybody listening to this, watching this, is from North Platte, I apologize in advance, <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's one street, and it's not like there's even a town nearby. You've got Denver six hours away, you've got Omaha seven hours away, and you've got corn in between both ways. Well, so let me be honest on my personal journey. When I did this, I turned it on, and all of a sudden, money was just popping out all over the place. <laughs> I could do right. it. And it was, oh my gosh. And then I realized how to efficiently get those orders. And then I found out that I had actually myself been to 190 restaurants in one year. Contrast, some of our group members have four restaurants. In exactly their my point. And their cost of their house might be 10% of what you pay. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I say, honey, you know, you know, maybe, maybe you need to be a W2 worker. Um, but I think other, like I picked up at a pizza hut the other day and it's, and they're, they're learning. They said, work today, get paid today. Well, here, here's here guys. Here's why I use the North Platte example. I actually know a gig worker in North Platte and he <laughs> might be the only one. And we actually <laughs> talked to him on the podcast and he didn't have a problem with, he actually had no complaints at all about the apps. And he was telling me the numbers. He, he takes all the orders we'd laugh at. No way would I touch that. He basically takes any order that comes through, but his cost of living's at about 15% of mine. Like no joke. Well, yeah, but you live in Denver. So that's right. But I mean, at $500 a month and his growth, you know, if he's living for 800 bucks a month and doesn't have a kid or something, if he's living for 800 bucks a month, he's not living very well, even in North Platte. But listen, <laughs> I'll tell you who gets it right in North Platte, Nebraska, Amazon. Mm. So if you're in a metropolitan area, Amazon has big warehouses and fleets of delivery trucks and they have Amazon flex and, you know, drivers coming in. And, and if you order something here in St. Louis from Amazon, it's delivered 98% of the time by an Amazon contractor. Mm -hmm. If you live in North Platte, Nebraska, I'm going to bet you that your Amazon's getting delivered by the post office or UPS. I would agree, unless there's some kind of rush to the last mile services. Well, I, Amazon, I mean, I don't know about North Platte in particular, but when you get far from the metropolitan areas, Amazon just doesn't go there. They'll go an hour and a half maybe from a metropolitan area. But if you're in the middle of nowhere and you're a small market, they're just not going to, they're not going to bother. They're going to outsource that to a common carrier. 
And, and I'm going to say that if you live in a, in a town with one stoplight and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a post office, that's what this is your old postmaster who's been there since, you know, mm-hmm. 1952, uh, maybe that's an area where DoorDash shouldn't be. And if you want to be that one guy that subsidizes the DoorDash business model by by taking three and a half dollar orders all the time, look, I would encourage you to get a job at the grocery store or something. You're or or go to a city hall meeting and make sure you know everybody and just say you're starting your own business. Or, or whatever. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're, delivering. Like, there's, I'm just going to run more, the town. Right. There's more than one way to handle that. Um, and, and I, you know, most of us live in major metropolitan areas, and there's a, there's, it's easy to forget that, uh, that the circumstances we live under are not the same as what other people face, and that the DoorDash model doesn't necessarily fit everywhere. Sure. What you, about, you might not be able to offer a living wage to somebody delivering restaurant orders in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Right. And before we move on, I want to sincerely say I have nothing against North Platte. Um, <laughs> I've been through it many times. I, I'm from Michigan, so it's actually a city I have to go through if I take I-80 home from Colorado and I'm driving. So North Platte, we love you and uh, keep it real. Um, <laughs> Uh, the right to do process. This one, uh, maybe we've talked about it, but the the one that's jumping out at me here is unfair deactivations and and no process in place or no mechanism to deal with that anymore at all. It's something that we deal with every single day. And this is it. Um, hello, I'm devastated. I received this notice. It says I committed fraud. And I did nothing. Help. Mm -hmm. These are my statistics and they're perfect. 4.98 customer rating, 100% completion rating, 6,000 deliveries. And now I'm done. And I've appealed and hear nothing. It's the dreaded what you open up your, I don't know, your app or your email the next day. And you find out this has occurred. And you're you're kicked in the stomach. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, David can probably even remember this too. Like, you know, we were talking about this a little bit last night, in fact, that when Uber and Lyft, even not just in California, but when they were populating other cities, you got a much better split of the money. However, if you dropped underneath 80% acceptance rate, you were done there. And there wasn't a, a, there wasn't a review process then either, but, um, after that, then, uh, places like legal rideshare. And some other places around the country started popping up. And for a while, they were dealing with deactivations. And all they were doing was really, I mean, they they probably went a little farther on some, but they were taking their letterhead, they were writing to DoorDash or whoever and saying, listen, he was unfairly deactivated. And a letter from a lawyer just meant reactivate the guy. Now they're away from that again. And now legal rideshare, because um, I know those guys over there, they're great guys, so I'm not dissing them. Um, but the CEO and founder, Brian Greening, um, he, he, they're handling more people who are hurt on work, um, this, that, and the other, because they were getting too many and it was getting to a point they couldn't help people because DoorDash was stopping the reply of 
oh, you have legal letterhead. They were starting to go, we don't care. They're not coming back. Well, two things. One is that they ran their yearly background check and something has shown up. And and th that's one of the least things people think about, but they got a really big... Uh, Jake, who's an admin also in the big group, door, uh, Grubhub deactivated him because he had an accident. And he wasn't door dashing when he had the accident. He had an accident and the insurance company, it was charged to him. I don't think there was any injuries or anything like that. It was damage. Grubhub deactivated him. And he's terrified that 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 uh, Uber Eats and DoorDash will do the same. Have you ever heard of that happening? Um, maybe not specifically. I've heard so many bad deactivation stories. And like you said, fraud is a common word that's used, especially yes. by the food platforms. Yes. Um, van, DoorDash deliveries. Uh, really, he actually lives here in Denver too, but he's got a big YouTube channel. He does, um, he's been deactivated and he had his brother or somebody, I probably shouldn't say a lot here, but somehow he reactivated another account or activated another account hey. and it was working. And then they said that his deactivate, and then they told him that his deactivated account had been accessed and that somebody like one of the, you know, those groups that when you put the word Instagram and Twitter yes. or in, or or, or or Instacart and Twitter or Instagram that it within a minute you get these bots that say, Hey, we can reactivate you. Even we, if you're not, even if you're not talking about deactivation, you just put that word in there and they're like, we can yeah. react. It's like, uh, and some of them work and whatnot. I mean, somebody reactivated his account through one of those services, not in the state we're in. And he wasn't even able to plead to get his case back. However, they react, they reopened that closed fraud account. And, and so now they're making money on his 1099. Yeah. And, but the other, yeah, exactly. And the other thing is like, how is, how are, you know, I mean, it's always how, how did these companies do this? Who, who knows? But I mean, like these guys seem pretty easy to catch. Like Michelle right away knew what I was talking about. You put you, if you type, it does it for a lot of them, but Instacart's the biggest. If you go to any social media and put the word Instacart in a post, mm. you will get a non-relative reply within 10 minutes that says that they can reactivate you. We have like, I'm not deactivated. That's one of our trigger words. So those come up in our moderation alerts immediately. And I can mm -hmm. send those out of there. And if they went on every post and tried to do that, they're, I, uh, Facebook has been real helpful. Uh, we've got the same tools that they have with their Facebook jail stuff and all that. So we can get rid of, and Oh, by the way, my smaller group, which is 60,000, we just hit 60,000 and Facebook gave us access to all kinds of new tools. So apparently as you graduate up, uh, you get better uh, uh, filters and things of that nature. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's not as though there aren't ways to prevent fraud like that. And I, I, I boast about Amazon a lot, but it's because they do a better job than other the other gig apps do. So when you sign on to Amazon Flex in the morning for the first time, mm -hmm. you have to scan your driver's license and take a selfie. 
and they digitally compare the selfie to what you looked like when you signed up and they make sure that it's really your driver's license. So there's no way that you're going to steal somebody's Amazon Flex account and go into an Amazon warehouse and start working or stealing packages. Mm-hmm. I mean, now they have a problem right now that people are just driving into warehouses and going rogue and trying to run off with uh, carts full of packages. But, but as far as the app goes, they've got that locked down. Yeah. And again, if these other apps cared about security, it would be very simple for them to implement a system where you've got to scan your driver's license at the beginning of every shift and it reads the barcode and you take a selfie. But the fact is they know people are using each other's accounts and all sorts of I was just going to say the facial recognition doesn't work. All they care about is that they have bodies in the seats. Mm -hmm. Amazon is handing you 40 packages that that Amazon is responsible for. So they actually care that it's really you and that you're accountable for the packages they're handing you. If somebody scams a DoorDash account and drives off with a Big Mac value meal, DoorDash doesn't care. They, no, they just we they already ta- want, we already talked about it. They just they just want somebody in the app hitting the accept button. That's right. all they care about. Right, because so even if they're writing off a hundred meals that day that are just being thrown away, what's a hundred and one? And they're doing that at every McDonald's in the entire country. But where it gets where it gets unfair though is when they use that same approach to a driver whose entire living is on DoorDash, mm-hmm. right? And they basically are like, "Hey, oops, there's a mistake, and you're deactivated, and it's, you know, maybe you get the right person on support to help you out." But maybe well, it not. is, but it right. it is, but that's because you're con- you're, you're you you shouldn't have your whole livelihood relying on a company that cares so little about you. Oh, I no, agree. but it, but it's funny that the answer is instead you should have it relying on ten companies that don't care about you. Well, uh, okay, no. that's sort of funny. But look, you're you're playing the odds, though, right? You're playing the odds, um, and 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 the chances of all ten of them kicking you to the curb are slim. But but look, when you're self-employed, it's a risk. I've been mm-hmm. self-employed since forever. And it wasn't always doing gig companies. I also did pure self-employment where I was contracting directly. And anybody I was contracting with could have woke up one morning and said, you know what? That guy wears glasses with black frames. And I only like people who wear glasses with metal frames. So get out of my office and I never want to see you again. And I had no recourse. Hmm. So... Even as an independent who is dealing with my own clients, mm-hmm. I had a bunch of different clients because they come and go. Mm-hmm. That, that's just the reality of being a contractor. I, I was just gonna—I I was gonna add to you, like a plumber. Just because you hire an independent contractor plumber and you guys work out some deal with the money and and he does the service, it sometimes they don't get their money. You know, some people don't pay. And this is, this is a, this is a big difference too. You know, I mean, that's, that could really hurt an ind- a true traditional independent contractor. Well, I mean, 
and and we have courts to deal with that. And I and sure. I've had I I actually had one client that was a collection agency, and he uh, had financial problems and was on the verge of going out of business and stiffed me for some money. I sued the collection agency and garnered them. <laughs> Go make more collections. You're gonna have to pay yeah. me off. <laughs> yeah, was... Garnishing a collection agency was very satisfying. I'm yeah, sure. I could imagine. <laughs> I was just gonna say, did you record those phone calls or <laughs> there was but, no phone call? Yeah, you, you you get there. I can imagine you call their competitor to go collect from them. It's like their worst nightmare. Oh no, no, no! I just garnished their bank. I know you garnished. I used to have to do that at uh, when I worked at Uber. I used to have to do weekly garnishments for the government i remember and at the time we didn't have a system for that so i would literally have to go into driver earnings and withdraw the amount and just write garnishment and of Mm -hmm. course as the market grew that would be having to do that 500 times a thousand times two thousand times a week basically and then we'd have all the angry drivers show up because there was no process and nobody would have told the driver why the money was being garnished it would just be gone basically talking about sort of due process here. I remember just, we'd have drivers show up be like, I earned a thousand bucks this week and you paid me zero. What happened? I'm like, well, you know, the state told us that we had to garnish this amount. Right. That child support finally caught up with you, buddy. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what wasn't cool, we did, there was no warning at all. I guess we didn't even, there was no explanation. It should have been the money is taken and here's why. Yeah. It's, that's the same when you're a W2 though. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to spend all that money like tracking you down to let you know. They figured you'd have enough years where you've been dodging it. No, they're like, <laughs> we'll just pull it. And then you, if you want to deal with it, come talk to us. Yeah. Well, I was a bit quiet here on the side because I actually had this table I wanted to bring up a little bit talking about the sort of right to, I know this is sort of a couple points before, but this is like right to a living wage or what, what I call sort of right to a living because I'm not sure because I think living wage has all these other connotations, but to me it's the right mm-hmm. to living and why it's tied to transparency. At this table of what I call like the most egregious trips we've seen, right? So, uh, in terms of like tip transparency, so I'll sort of mm-hmm. rattle on here. So, miles 18.6 miles. Interestingly, these are all in Colorado, actually. These are the worst trips we've seen in Colorado, actually. Uh, so here's a miles 18.6 miles. Dasher offered pay $2.75. Total drive time plus pickup time, an hour and a half. Gas expenses, $2.30. Total net, $0.43 cents to drive an hour and a half. See, I've seen I've seen some articles about this here, too, and in other states. Not every state, but some other states, too. And I just don't really... Often those people, if you really look into it, are the part-timers or the union affiliate people. Because they'll be talking about an area even I'm, I know. And I'm like, dude, if you don't even try, you can make 30 an hour there. Oh no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this is like, this is your hourly earning, right? I'm saying these are just really bad, egregious trips. Obviously you don't just right. do like that. I but I think that's the kind of data they use when they run those stories. About... No, so I think the data they use for those stories is they basically say, Hey, if you were to take out retirement and 401k, and this and that and they only ever take the worst trips right yeah. i'm like not saying hey every trip you're going to take is like this bad but some of these are just so bad or the next one here 12.5 miles 2.75 going to what nick was saying just don't take 2.75 right mm-hmm. uh you know 1.13 hours gas cost 2.32 you made 43 cents for 1.13 
let's take one that's not 2.75. Here's one, 12.6 miles, 3.25, one point something hours. So there's, we have just, you know, I have hundreds of these per state, basically. I, mean, I think it goes back to what Nick said. But you know what, David? Listen, I don't think that you have a right to be protected from your own stupidity. Yes. <laughs> if you're dumb enough to accept a $3.25 12-mile order, you're going to get an education. You, yeah. It's, it's going to cost you money, and you're going to get an education that day in the fact that if you ever do that again, you're going to starve to death. So, you know, I mean, some people go to school to learn. Some people click on accept to learn. But, you know, and if you're a dummy and you keep doing it, then eventually your car is going to break down and you're going to have to find another career. But so is is life, too. You know what I mean? Like, right. You got to learn, man. You know, you learn by, wow, that was horrible. I'm not doing that again. But, 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 I, and I would say this I, I don't know that learning is. I don't expect DoorDash to tell me don't accept $2.75 orders. Yeah. So, so in reality, what needs to happen, and this isn't so much a matter of rights as it is doing the right thing, we need to have higher profile, well-organized, maybe maybe somebody spends the money to do a 30-minute, hey, you just signed up for DoorDash, here's some things you might want to know, video, and just promote the heck out of it so that the probability of somebody signing up for DoorDash and missing out on this education becomes very low. DoorDash exists in part because they're able to exploit people. They're able to exploit people because of a lack of information. And the way you fix that is you get the information out there and and make sure that people run into it fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's this is the last part that we have to do or that I think we should do. And uh, it's, it's um, 10 independent contractor rights and it is taken from the standard independent contractor law. Obviously I, that will link will be in the show notes. Um, so you guys can find it in there. Um, number one is the right uh, to a contract. Okay. So um, a business person uh, without a legally binding contract with a client becomes exposed to abuse. A formal independent contractor agreement protects you from spelling out your duties. I think that that is very relevant to like construction and stuff. You know, obviously we want these kind of things in place, but uh, these are like what they're saying makes you an independent kind. It's kind of the opposite of the ABC test, which is trying to make you not one. This is like the, the standard of, of what, what independent contractor was kind of before gig apps even so a right to a contract do we have that i mean we do have a yeah we have a terms of service with doordash but do we have a contract with every client we have who's doordash is the client Hmm. i'm I'm just 
for argument's sake, though, I'm just thinking that what the more times we say that, DoorDash is the club, DoorDash is the club, door, it just keeps sounding like employee. <laughs> I mean, well, you can call it what you want, but the but the the person you're bringing the food to is not the client, and you do not have any contractual relationship with the person who you're bringing the food to. True. Your only contractual relationship is with DoorDash. DoorDash is the client. Hmm. It's funny because part of their argument all over the country and world right now is, no, we're not. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, they're just trying to, hey, we're a, we're a tech company. Well, you can't do that anymore. Okay, we're an SAAS. Well, you can't do that anymore. Okay, we're a toilet paper making company. I mean, it, it's like they just are throwing it up in the air. To... Okay. They can say whatever they want. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I did IT work for a collection agency. The people they were collecting from were not my clients. The collection agency was my client. Mm -hmm. I did IT work for a self-storage company. The people renting storage units were not my client. The self-storage company was my client. And when you deliver something for DoorDash, your client is DoorDash. So moving to number two, though, the right to control uh, the essence of being in business for yourself puts you in control, not your clients. If a client tries to control your business by telling you where, when, and how to work, you become an employee. Never let that happen. Yeah. Um, I know that now, nowhere, uh, even on Rideshare, does acceptance rate ma matter or any of that kind of stuff, but it's still in there. And for a while, it did matter. Isn't that taking away the right to control? Yes. Yes. Okay. Like this to me is like one of the most important ones there. I think this is where the apps infringe the most. Me too. Yeah. And, and by the way, DoorDash is sneaking it back now by saying, if your acceptance rates above 50%, we'll give you better offers. Oh, that new high. And that's, that was the other thing I was going to say too, that and the top dash. I mean, like there, that's not giving me the right to control. You're, you're actually making levels. Yep. You're making a system that shouldn't exist. Um, according to being an independent, they're saying we're independent contractors. The reason I'm pointing all this out or we're discussing it is because they're saying we're independent contractors. Well, here's the, here's the, you know, 10 commandments of being an independent contractor and right. they don't seem to be syncing up real well. Yeah. Um, you know, the right to making decisions um, while employees expect to follow orders uh, from their their bosses, independent contractors become their own boss. Consider whoever hires you as your client and not your boss, okay? So being an independent contractor provides you with the freedom to dictate where, when, and how a project gets completed. Remember your clients do not direct your work. If they do, you become an employee, not an independent contractor. Well, well something that we're seeing more and more and more is that why, and I know they probably have the fields available, why don't they tell us that they're, we're going to a business? And not only that, to make it simpler, because I live in a heavy industrial area, uh, why don't they tell us it's ABC uh, company that we're going to? So we can find it easier and we know what we're, where we're delivering. Why don't they tell us it's an apartment building so the people with bad knees don't have to climb three or four stairs of uh, outside stairs when it's icing mm -hmm. and carry the heavy water or the heavy, whatever they might want to shop and deliver. 
para, para flagging feature. Well, funny, Instacart, Instacart do, does tell you if it's an apartment. You know, we've even had the discussion on my on on the rodeo roundtable about why not limit water cases to one or two the, things like that. Like, don't there because there are orders of twenty water cases. The, on, oh, the amount, I um I do well because we have a Whole Foods here. I did the Amazon Flex for Whole Foods, and I hear you know being a little five foot two girl, uh, tiny girl, petite, I. Someone bought about six of those big blue things that go on top of a water cooler. Only five gallons, yeah. I was carrying those up rickety steps. I was dead. I wanted to go home. And I don't know if they tip me or not. I mean, I have no idea. And so it, if you get an Instacart order with cases of water, they add to the base pay. Oh, they do? They yeah. do now. Okay. Instacart, I don't know that that was Instacart always the case. Has, Instacart yeah. has what they call heavy order pay. Yeah. Oh, I have seen that. I, I mean, I don't work Instacart, but I have the app just to look to see if there's just never anything worth me taking. I know market to market. And I know, I know that, you know, even some of yours might be okay. Denver for all the, Denver's a great gig market, but for whatever reason, we get the worst Instacart orders. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but I would agree on limiting that because some of those those I I can't carry. They're just way insanely too heavy. And if they're heavy, I'm 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 not weak. I am strong, and this job has made me stronger. Uh, or at least make it like curb drop off or something. Yes. Like all you're doing is getting it out of the car, and pff, there it is. I mean. Well, I mean, but then but then the next guy might want that order. You know, it's $25. I can throw all the water on a dolly and bring it into the where the office. With, with what you're talking about, sure. With a heavy, whatever yeah. it is, heavy load or heavy So long as I'm compensated for it, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like I told the IT client, I'll empty your waste baskets just so long <laughs> as you pay me the right amount. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll schlep 20 cases of water into a building if the price is right. I mean, I'll admit to breaking code with, uber and it's not in a bad way but like when i used to work the nights in the beginning i would be taking somebody from one bar to another and it'd be like two couples and they'd be like hey do you mind stopping at this one bar we just need to run in and see our friend and they're bartending and be like 1 a.m they're the, we just want to do a shot with them before we go to that last bar and the guy'd be like hey, dude here's 50 bucks or here's 100 yeah. can you just sit here for like 20 minutes and i'd be like yep uh-huh you know like i mean that's not allowed but I'm an independent contractor. I chose to do that. And whether or not that goes against the little box I clicked that said, I agreed all these terms. And if it was in there, I don't care. I'm an independent contractor. I'm going to do what I do. Um, especially because in that kind of moment, you make a decision. And my decision was I'm, I'm taking this money because mm-hmm. it's going to make the customer happy. It's cash. It's in my face. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're doing this. Um so uh, number four is basically flexibility, the right to work uh, when you want. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Right. But that's a big thing that we face losing under so many models, unionization, franchise model, employee model, under every model, except for the independent contractor, we lose flexibility. So and many- if people want to argue, it's, here's the argument I've had sometimes is they don't have to. And I'm like, tell me one company that allows you to work flex. Just work, come in whenever you want. 
there isn't one, <laughs> you know, I mean, so I don't know. I mean, the, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure I, right now that's in place, but I don't know that that stays in place. Um, Oh, look, if, if you want a regular 40 hour a week job with a fixed schedule, go get one. Sure. Sure. I'm just saying, don't we're in limbo about what an independent contractor is. Here's the diagram. Here's the schematical map. Right. And we're, and they're not meeting it. And yet I think there needs to be, and David, I know, I think you agree with this. We've talked about this. There needs to be something in the middle for gig workers, like a new, a new way of defining independent contractorship to some degree, you know, cause there needs to be some tweaks. It's technology. Things have changed a little, just nothing bad. Just make sure it's, it's timely. It fits with the situation we're in. Um, but the right to work where you want, uh, the right to advertise. This was one of the ones I really wanted to hit on because that's a big one. You know, the right to advertise. You have the right to act and advertise for yourself. Market your private services by printing business cards, brochures, handouts. Advertise in freelance job boards or on online platforms or for freelancers. Advertise in classified ads to customers you have, to everybody you want. It basically open ends advertising. So we can't do that. No, no I think we're prohibited. Yeah, completely prohibited. You know what I've always thought would be really nice? When I first started doing Instacart, I did a delivery to somebody, and the guy says, you're the best Instacart deliverer that we've ever had. Can we have you do our shopping next weekend? And I had to tell him no. There ought to be, all of these gig apps ought to allow you to pick Fate, you Favorites. know, I like this I, guy. Send them back if you can. From what I understand, when you get to a certain level in shipped, you can you can uh, get customers. A lady on my street has fifty. I five. have I I have just a couple because I didn't do it long enough. I've preferred I, I'm a yeah. preferred shopper for three people, but yes. I haven't done shipped in now like four months. Yeah, but yeah, all they they just do it because like you know if you actually follow through, you do it quick. Ship right. can be good with tips. It can be weird, but um, but you're paying uh, you know, you're paying a monthly service charge to be part of Shift. Right. So for some reason, people tip better. They ex- they expect better, but they're also nicer when they pay for something. It's a very odd thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I pay for this service. It's like, okay, now you're tipping me great and you're treating me nice, and this is weird. Um, but yeah, the right to advertise doesn't exist. Uh, right to receive payments. Employees typically get paid on a set schedule. Um, you know, and, and this is weird to me because I think that, you know, like, okay, I'm going to mention curry right now. Curry, if I work today, I had three curry orders. Okay. Um, at the end of every order within 10 minutes of me posting the pictures and saying that I'm done, um, it is in my bank. So I had three deposits today. Okay. Not even an end of day. It costs me nothing. It, it's in your account in 10 minutes. Nice. Now, I know that for a lot where you're working like 30, 40 trips in a day, maybe just one day payout. But why are they charging credit card type fees to get your money out? Unless you want it out on a Sunday or a Tuesday or whatever day these apps pay out. You know, it's it. I most people I know want their money at the end of the day and they pay that fee 
even though it shouldn't be there. Um, Although, to be fair, when I was an independent contractor, well, and I still do, I still am, dealing with my own clients, nobody ever handed me a check when I walked out of their office at the end of the day. And they would have laughed in my face if sure, I had asked sure. for that. Because you're net 15-ing them or net 30. You're, you're billing yeah, them. I'm sending them an invoice that's going through their accounts payable. Yada, yada. Even, if you got the check, even if you got the check, you would have to deposit it, and that would take a day or two in the process. Right. Um, but but, but nobody, no, it, 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 I don't believe that the right to get paid as soon as I drop groceries on somebody's front doorstep is inherent to being an independent contractor. Okay. Well, there's some like in our state, I don't, I know this isn't, I think it's in a lot, but in maybe most even, but I do know it's not in some like here in Colorado, if you get fired, they have to pay you that day for every amount they, every dime they owe you. Right. Um, so thing. So let's look at the Uber Tampa man or the Uber Phoenix man who a couple weeks back was uh, was where he parks is right near a restaurant that was shutting down early but getting orders. So he kept sending it through and he met the criteria of the terms of service in DoorDash, where if you keep getting these, just put it through as it's closed and cancel it. And he was getting these cancel fees. He had he was owed like $1,300 and they deactivated him and it took him seven weeks to get that money. So I'm looking at the law. There's probably about five States that require that a fired employee be paid as he walks out the door. Most of them, it's the next scheduled payday. There's a handful that have to do it within you know, a few days, but Colorado is, is a fairly rare exception. Oh, good. And, I kind of figured again, that was the that's case. An employee, and that's, that's only for employees. And that's only for if you fire the employee. If well, you're deactivation in, is, it, it, right. I would want all my money. Cause I can, if you're in Colorado and you quit, they, then they don't have. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, of course not. Um, and as far as deactivation goes, yeah, they ought, they ought to pay you right away. You know, we hear stories in the Facebook groups where people get deactivated and they're like, you stole a meal, we stole your paycheck. Bye. Yeah. Right. All the more reason why no I don't process. trust them. And I want my, like, I, you know, David, when we were in, when we were in St. Louis, um, you know, what the David left a day early and Jimmy and I just, we, we, we were going to go do a couple things or go to dinners. We didn't even do anything. We just kind of hung out and just chatted all the whole time. And, um, we were just the whole time, and I know you heard us too before you left. We were talking about how do we get a better payment system going here, where it's not—it doesn't even have to be thought about. It. Just cash these people out, you know. Yeah. Just well, one thing I will say is there's been leaps and bounds, probably in the last one or two years on that front. So I do think if we, you know, when we convene in two years to have this conversation again, my hope mm-hmm. is that daily pay is just table stakes in the gig economy. That is. I wouldn't yeah. say that's for W2. But... Um, the right to employ other contractors. This is number eight. We have three, two more to go. Yeah, this. I think I've seen this put in other places is you're allowed to delegate tasks, including hiring another contractor, right? And I think Except that... for rideshare. You can do it with the food platforms, 
You can do it with this. You can do it. So now it's getting weird too. Why can you have an Uber rideshare account and nobody can drive, but you can have an Uber Eats account? I mean, I get it. There's a passenger in your car, but but you can have an Uber Eats account and you can have three family members running the car 24-7. Yeah, I think on that front, it's hard to sort of grok those two, right? But sort of for me, that's why I think it's less of the, you have the ability, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard for rideshare, right? And I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how they do it. But to me, why I'm very interested in this one is this idea that you can delegate tasks. Because to me, that's the underpinning as to why you should be able to auto-decline trips, why you should be able to plug into all the different platforms, why you should be able to use a tool such as Para, is this idea that I am delegating these tasks or I'm delegating these things that I want done or business processes to somebody else to be done for me, basically, right? So to me, I find this one super interesting. Although I think the point you make, I am not quite sure. There must be some legal way that the rideshare companies justify this here. I don't... Especially especially I'm picking on Uber because Uber is allowing you to do it with the food, but now with the passengers. <laughs> I mean, that's really... That seems like some really sketchy area to be in, you know, I'm just saying like, I, I, I guess, you know, most people would understand, well, yeah, they're taking passengers. It should be them. Well, then why shouldn't it be them when they're driving the car with food though? I mean, I get it. You're not, you know, you don't have a passenger in the car, but you still, you could have a hit and run and, oh, it was Julie using my car and not me. And I haven't seen her in weeks. And I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of, maneuverability for scamming and um and by not allowing this or by not dealing with it you know um i I think number nine is interesting the right to challenge your employment status your independent contractor agreement specifies your role as an independent contractor yet the irs and labor department use their own factors to determine if you acted as an employee or an independent contractor, so you can contact them and find out if on a case by case per basis, they think you're uh, an, uh, an independent contractor or an employee based on the information you provide. Um, I mean, the IRS has a form for that. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you believe you're inappropriately being classified as a contractor when you should have been an employee, you can file that form. The IRS will eventually supposedly look at the situation. And if indeed you should have been an employee, they will take the W-2 contributions that should have been made from that person, that company that sh that should have uh, classified you as an employee. Now, let's be very clear. The day you fi file that form, you're getting deactivated. So, <laughs> Right, so be multi-apping. Um, and then the, there's the last one, right to managing your own business. Independent contractors run their own business. You manage all aspects of your business. As a self-employed business person, you maintain the responsibility to provide your own benefits. So it seems like the gig companies love that second half of that. <laughs> You'll take care of all your expenses and medical and you got yourself, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, but we're, we're going to have a little bit of control though still. <laughs> well, that says you're not supposed to. <laughs> well, you know. 
And I mean, I didn't even want to hit on this, but I got to you guys, uh, especially since Nick, we have you here. Um, uh, before we start wrapping this up, I, I need to ask you, uh, is there a way, I mean, like I, and maybe they're starting to work on it, but how do you, um, how do you audit an algorithm? How does who audit what algorithm? Anyone, anyone. I mean, how would you audit an algorithm if you really wanted to see? I mean, uh, from a... Or is it impossible and, and whatever's well, going on you know, back there? Well, item number one is, in the case of the algorithms that are, that are behind these gig apps, you don't have access to the algorithms and you don't have the right to it's it's private intellectual oh i'm an an irs audit even let's say so the the algorithm oh you're just talking about how do you the irs doesn't care about the algorithm except for it's moving a lot of it's a lot of moving parts and things could be just I want to say that. I guess the IRS only cares about getting their taxes, right? I guess is what Nick is saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, no. I mean, the IRS cares whether you're an employee or a contractor, for sure. Yeah, we're seeing but, that everywhere. But, but that has nothing to do with the algorithm per se. I know. I was just throwing it they, in because I was you, wondering you your tax practitioner. Look at the working conditions, and you know, I use the app, and here's what the what the app does. I have a contract. Here's um, what my contract says. I was I was just sidestepping here um, because I find it interesting that I don't know if our government could audit Uber. <laughs> well, I and they from from a tax perspective, they certainly can. Mm-hmm. From a an algorithm perspective, I don't think it's any of their business any more than I think it's any of their business. How David does what he does at para that's his private intellectual property. And, Mm. you know, his intellectual property to the user must conform with laws. Yeah. So I sort of view it as like the companies, like because drivers are independent contractors should be clear roughly what the rules of the game are right since you're independent contractors you should know if you have these accepted like these are the rules or these are the tiers i think having that more clear but then after that like how they implement it how it's done that shouldn't really matter slash people really shouldn't know unless it's not fulfilling what they're saying the rules are but if it's not fulfilling what the rules are supposed to be, you can determine that by observing the, the usage Correct. of the app. Correct. You know, if, if I'm using your app to track mileage and I drive 20 miles and your app only registers 12 miles, I don't have to know anything about your algorithm to know that it's wrong. Yep. Yep. And I think that's, uh, yeah, I agree. Right. And I think that's where it comes from. It's like, I don't need to know what your algorithm is coded. I just need to make sure that the outcome of your algorithm matches the rules or what I've been promised. And, and, and you bring Fair up, enough. and so you introduce a bigger point, which is an important one. And that is, does the app serve as a fig leaf for conduct 
by the corporation that is contrary to what an independent contractor should have as their working conditions? And that's a perfectly legitimate question to ask. And it has nothing to do with the algorithm. It has to do with what is that app doing? You know, it, mm-hmm. if 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 one of the attributes of an independent contractor is that you must be free to accept or refuse work, but the app tells me that if I refuse work too often, then they won't offer me as many jobs. If if that happens to be contrary to the legal definition of an independent contractor, and I'm not a labor lawyer, so I'm not going to say that it is, but if it was. You don't have to know anything other than what they've already told you. Sure. Yep. I think I'm actually uh, very much in agreement with you there. Yeah. So David, before we close this out, um, the website, uh, driver singular rights.org. It's right there. Right there. (laughs) Um, driver rights.org. Uh, any, we've been kind of talking about everything that's on there over this, over this time, but can, do you want to kind of, uh, give a elevator pitch on this as we sign off here? I think if, you know, anything that you've heard today is interesting to you, sort of what it means to be the, an independent contractor and how we should hold people responsible for making sure they're holding up their end of the bargain, please go to the website. There's sort of two things you can do. One, we have a change.org petition. That's always helpful for us to get those numbers up. But two, if you are interested, the bigger ask I have is if you could just sign up on the website to join the mailing list and make it so that we can contact you. We've had a good number of people who've done that. And really, you know, why we're having this podcast and doing this is there is work being done on this right now. So we've had sort of a legal opinion written by a lawyer recently on what it means to be an independent contractor. We have sort of this manifesto I've been teasing for a while, but I know, Steve, I've actually shared with you. It's like more, it's not actually just a concept anymore, but it's there. And we're gonna open oh, it I, w- I was looking well, through all of your notes, even the highlighted ones. And, you know, on, on that one, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot here. Because yeah. you, you made it, and it was easier to read than you made it sound too. When you were telling me about it, I was expecting this. Like these notes. I mean, for me, I guess I get into the sort of like I'm in the Ryan's manifesto mode. Right, but at least you hit enter. They were all sentences. Like I could read them, make sense. (laughs) They're in Uh, order. Yeah, but really, I think the goal here is what can we do to get a group of people together to really agree on something and to push it ahead. Bringing it back to sort of what we said at the right at the beginning of sort of the recording here is, you know, what can we do uh, to push such that you know, the action that we're seeing isn't just on behalf of the restaurants or the end consumers, but what can we push to ensure that the drivers get their full rights here? So, you know, if you support, please sign up. We have more actions to come and we're excited for sort of a action pack 2023 here. Yeah. And we're going to, and folks, we're going to see one because a lot of States are changing in January and January is the worst month in almost every, in, I almost want to just say every market, but in every market I know, January is the worst month and we're going to see a lot of changes in a lot of states. Um, and I guess that that's why it's good that this is timely and this is coming out now because remember, just remember the tale of AB5 and Prop 22. Nobody saw it coming, you know, or nobody believed it was real till it till January 1st hit. And they were like, no, we're serious. <laughs> that law is real. <laughs> and they were like, you know, everybody's like, well, what, 
you know, what's going on. Um, so pay attention, pay attention to your states. But the best way, one of the best ways is to get to go do what David said and and just put your email in at driverrights.org because there's there's information on the website that that is very easy understandable. There's some video clips. There's it's it's done in a way where you can kind of read what you want to and then get into more fine tuning and stuff. But just put your name on this. Um, there is no third parties that your email or anything's being given out to. And as far as I know, it's just your email. So it's really, you know, it's just, it's helping a big movement because it's over 60,000, but that was all, but most of that was gained in the traction earlier. We need, we need that traction back. Yeah. And I think we're now reaching the point where some of the legal philosophy and underpinnings that we actually have an ask. And I think 2023, really what that looks like is going and pushing this ask forward, right? I think really step one is let's get people to agree on these set of things. And then step two is with this underpinning, what can we do to sort of insert the voice of drivers sort of in the conversation? Uh, so, you know, more to come there. Sure. Um, well, I want to thank everybody. I'm sorry that Michelle, hopefully... Uh... Uh, I was hoping she'd make it back in to sign off with us. We lost Michelle just a few minutes ago. Um, so, uh, but uh, Michelle will sign off for you as well. So uh, David, final words to the DRM series. I would just sort of, uh, if you're here listening at the end of sort of this long hour and 15 minutes, I think how I always end all my videos is just, you know, together, let's make a better gig economy together. Thanks for being a part of this movement with us. And Nick. And I just want to send out a uh, a warm greeting to our friends in North Platte, Nebraska, the much maligned city, which has seven hotels, an airport, a golf course, a railroad museum, and a children's museum. And if you're tired of all of that, you can go to Wild Bill's Fun Center. So I've been there many North, times. North Platte is <laughs> is more than Steve makes it out to be. And uh, if you're from North Platte, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. And and guys, I you know I and and I a lot of respect too because you guys found how to live cheaply in nice houses because they have nice houses there. They're just very cheap. But I guess my biggest thing with it is it's just so far from everything. North Platte was a dart thrown in the middle of nowhere, you know. So luckily they do. Luckily they do have a little nice town. It's not just as small as they can be on the side of the highway, right? Because they're not Which, near. By anything. the way, we have in Ferguson as well. For, Ferguson is a nice little town with some really good affordable housing and uh, and. It's a it's a decent place to live, but it'll be a better place to live when I'm the mayor. <laughs> That's right. And so with that, I will say for Michelle, we want to thank Michelle for coming on as well. Um, check out Michelle's uh, door, um, DoorDash groups on Facebook. They are in the show notes. So check them out. Um, obviously, again, folks, uh, driverrights.org um, with para.com. Hit up any of us. We all love it. And of course, of course, of course, Nick for mayor. I don't know when the vote is. I don't know when this is. Uh, when 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 is this? It's going to be in April. But if you don't live in Ferguson, I know. But we can be loud about it for you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, we happen to know a lot of Missouri people, and have maybe some are from Ferguson. I'm sure they are. In fact, you never know. So. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
Uh, thanks for joining us. And thank you, David. And thank you, Michelle. And uh, hopefully we'll be back in the new year with some of these DRMs too. And we'll have some good news about how the new year played out a little bit, maybe better than, than some are anticipating. And uh, maybe things will get turned backwards a little bit. But let's, let's just see how things play out. Until then, enjoy your holidays, everybody. And uh, we will see you on the Para Roundtable weekly. And uh, happy Christmas, happy New Year's, happy holidays. Good night, everybody.